Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. It's a free-for-all edition Flyover Politics Podcast. Is, is, is this more about the president being concerned about the 800,000 individuals or, as Senator Lindsey Graham said, that if he gives in, this is going to be the end of his presidency? It's being concerned about the citizens of our country, all of them, federal employees included. But when you have Officer Ronald Singh, who lost his life in California the day after Christmas to an individual with known gang ties who shouldn't have been in this country if not for sanctuary laws, we have a problem. We have to care about those Americans, too, that have been victims whose names are rarely mentioned on the airway. What, what about all the people who have been shot and murdered by white Americans in this country? Where's, where's the concern for homeland security we, and for law enforcement right. when, when people are getting killed in this country by guns every day and there's mass gun violence? in this country. I don't see Republicans doing anything about that. I don't see Trump calling. I don't You're see Trump talking deflecting. about a national emergency when so many people are being murdered by You're American citizens with guns. That is a huge, huge point. problem. You don't that want is to a talk bigger about problem the what's going on at the border. Lives. There's a bigger problem than any of the... False. Every time that a crime is committed by an illegal immigrant or someone that's not white, Republicans cannot wait every to talk time, about it. But when a, when a crime is committed by, by someone with a gun, a white guy with a gun, it's crickets from Republicans. It's shameful. It is disgusting. It's incredible. I mentioned the Name of an officer who lost his life. It triggers you. You clearly did not want to address the situation that how happened in California. The, how about all of the people what who got killed in Vegas? What all about Kate Steinle? Do you know their names? The Do you know their stories? We're being shot up every day. I yeah, don't see you talking about those people. We addressed that. Governor Scott we addressed that. What did you do? What has been done? Trump didn't do anything. I just want to say this real quick. Not on the political shit. All you people for the federal government that got getting, not getting paid right now, ain't no fucking way in the world y'all can vote for Donald Trump when he come back up again. If it is, if y'all do vote for him, y'all some stupid motherfuckers. I'm saying that to y'all early. All you federal government people that's not being paid, that's being treated fucking unfairly right now, not being paid, that's so terrible. And this punk motherfucker don't care. So I'm saying that to say this. When the shit get back on and y'all get y'all jobs back and it's time to vote, don't vote for that nigga. Please don't. Look what he do. He just don't give a fuck. Y'all honest, blue-collar, hard-working people and suffering. So if he don't care about y'all, he really don't give a fuck about us. So fuck him, too. And fuck everybody down with Donald Trump. I said, yeah, Snoop Dogg, nigga. Fuck him. Can you promise that the president will tell the truth tonight? Will he tell the truth? Yes, Jamin, can you promise that you will? I will. The whole truth and nothing but the truth to help you guys? I'm not the Am I allowed to mention God to you? Make sure that goes viral. Okay. This is why, by, by the way, this is why I'm one of the only people around here who even gives you the time of day. Can you, can you guarantee and let me, let me just, let me get back in your face because you're such a smart ass most of the time and I know you want this to go viral. A lot of these people don't like you. But let me just be respectful to the media at large as I always am. 
I explained that that was alternative information and additional facts. And I explained it many times. And don't you put it back in my face for all the corrections that your network needs to issue. I was on your network 25 or 26 times in 2018. I'm one of the last people here who even bothered to go on. And the disrespect that you showed to me personally, I'll just look past. Ma'am, um, I, I, no, I just no, and don't call me ma'am to, to make it up. That's why. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 10th of January, year of our Lord, 2019. What a day early. Weather is horrible where I live. Uh, it's barely going to get above freezing. So what is the purpose of fishing when your pole freezes all the time? And I know I could dunk it in the water, but last time I did a nice little post-cold front fishing trip, the wind got me stranded. I had to literally get out of the boat in the lake and push myself because the water was so off. So we're, we're going to fish tomorrow, podcast today. And we're going to do a free-for-all segment again because I didn't feel like getting back into the junk. So today's show, we're going to do the, of course, Trump's Oval Office speech because that was a lot of stuff. And excuse the puppy in the background. Casey and Tlaib, uh, or I like to call the two idios instead of amigos. Political Roundup um, was scrubbed. I was going to do that segment, but I decided to shove it on the back end of the Casio. So then we'll go into op-ed that I talked about, just a quick little segment. Kind of more of a discussion of where we're at as a country with school shootings. It just doesn't make any sense, you know. The liberals go after guns, but it, there's something wrong with our culture. Which is followed by hate tweets, which shows there's something wrong with our culture. And then news and social media nuggets. So we introed with the usual round of dumbasses with Snoop Diggity Dog and all the hate. And it really came out with the speech in our first segment. I mean, there is just a level of mental illness going on in our country um, I know if I was a liberal, I would now be going, well, look what they did with Obama. There was birtherism and there was this and there was that and blah, blah, blah. That was a fringe element. There was another fringe that said he was a Muslim. And there was a fringe that said he was a racist. It spawned the Tea Party who went after taxes. Trump's election is the majority of the media now, as we'll see, I mean, they literally couldn't handle that the man could go around them. Then the Democrats, who requested time that nobody gets after an Oval Office speech. You don't get free time. That's not how it works. It's like the old lady for that TV show. It's not how any of this works. Or not that commercial. Not any of this, none of it works this way. And then there's a large group of Americans that really hate people that don't think like that. Um, I have some quick hits up front, but you know, before we get to it, but I wanted to relay a tweet that was started by a female. She is a Planned Parenthood supporter and she said something on the lines of, I wish they did more prenatal and postnatal. There's a real problem with women and postnatal to postpartum depression. Salt my wife, you know, hers was started because I was leaving, for Christ's sake, uh, for a year, so that, that had a reason. I saw it my daughter, kind of. Um, she was kind of bummed out. And I said, you know, I wish they would give less money to politics and, and work on that. That lady liked my tweet. Because I think, you know, once again, Planned Parenthood, if you were, you know, dropped on the middle of this country, or on this planet, 
from outer space, you would think they're the premier women's health organization. That's how they, that's what the propaganda says. That's what all the Democrats say. That's what the media says that is so essential. But every damn podcast we prove, even to their employees, they don't give a fuck about pregnant women. They don't give prenatal. They don't do mammograms. They do do pap smears and things like that. But they just really, it's an abortion clinic. That's how they make their money. We've proven it. This year's report's not out yet, but it's going to be pretty close to what it was last year and the year before. A million plus babies are killed chemically or mechanically. We don't know if it's because of the health of the mother. We don't know if it's, you know, third trimester. We don't know if it's rape incest. We don't know any of those things because they don't track that. They track a zillion things to cover up the million abortions, and then they could say the abortion is only 3% because they don't count chemical abortions as abortion. It's a cute little statistical anomaly they play with. So I got attacked by this guy. And when I shot back with, I don't care if you kill all the babies. My point is, if they didn't give $50 million a cycle to politics, maybe they could do prenatal and postnatal. Maybe they could do some help to women who need it and can't go to a doctor. He said, I was ridiculous. My aggression was horrible. And then I had to tell him, you're the one that attacked me. I didn't say anything to you. I was saying, they give a lot of money to politics. And then you say, NRA is bad for politics because I went to your Twitter feed. And they're ruining politics. And they give a tenth of what PPFA does to every cycle. And oh, by the way, they don't kill kids. But yours does. And they kill a lot of them. And then they give a lot of money to Democrats. And they're not a health organization. I wish they would live up to their propaganda. He went silent after that. Because I gave links. And it made me think, just for a second. My God, I don't even know this person. And I know those who have been the show. That's how I researched abortion. That's how I changed from being pro-choice to pro-life. Because I actually read stuff. And listened to people that work there. And looked at their own report where they make $1.5 billion in profits. Uh, you know, that subject is no different than any other subject on the planet right now. Progressives have a lot of rage. They don't know how to deal with their rage. Because their rage isn't put on us because... They're not winning elections. It's because they think we're bad people. And the media is progressive. So that's what the media is right now. You're a bad person. We will dox you. We will punish you for wrong think. Our culture's broken. Just really broken. Anyway, sixth segment. News and social media nuggets. Didn't mean to start off on a tangent, but I did. Senior NBC reporter resigns, slams network over around-the-clock anti-Trump hysteria. NBC senior reporter William Arkin is leaving NBC over his infatuation with being anti-Trump and how that direction has distracted journalists from revealing real stories that need to be told to the American people. Honestly, that's a huge move for someone working at one of the Democratic National Committee's defense networks. The opposition media reports over 90% negative, blah, 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 blah. And this guy was on. I couldn't get the sound bite because it's being scrubbed off the Internet. 
But I did get a tweet. Even if one hates real Donald Trump, Mattis resignation letter and the tisking over near everyone is bad news for democracy. Mattis should have taken the job, was never the savior, and did nothing but continue long-standing go-nowhere politics. My guess is Mattis 2020 on Syria and Afghanistan and North Korea. Trump has the right instincts and on national security stagnation, both in warfare and thought. Again, he has no ability to implement or even learn, but the enemies of Trump shouldn't become the war party. I went through his Twitter feed. He's a liberal, but I think he's he's hitting a key point. Just like Obama, they are so, you know, they 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 are so focused on everything he says and trying to take the worst case scenario and being activists. They're not reporting, and I'm seeing a lot of these stories starting to pop up. Man, his foreign policy is working, and nobody thought that could happen. His economy is working, and nobody thought that could happen. I mean, you're going to get the same reply from liberals. Well, it's minimum wage, and they don't get 40 out. Yeah, that's Obama, dude. I'm not stupid. That's Obama. That That's the economy we have now because of the ACA. That ACA did it, and they'll take, fuck, five, six years for it to flip around because it, most businesses are still staring at the ACA because now Democrats have the House. And if you believe in media, they're going to have full control in 2020 of everything. They're going to win back the thousand seats Obama lost, and they're going to rewrite America and make it a socialist country. We'll have it again, single payer this time. So it's going to take a long time to do that. But it is interesting that I remember this guy, he was a lib, and even he's like, Jesus Christ, this is too much. Just too much. Triple amputee war veteran goes to collect $1 from Pelosi, pledged for the border wall, because you said it was a smart ass. I thought that was pretty funny. And one of my buddies now, because I, I am digging the patch, man, the, the pirate is a fucking bad dude, Crenshaw, and I don't say that disrespectfully, I say it with respect, because we've all wanted to be a pirate. Um, home dog crushed, cracked on a Democrat, and I'm going to play it. My colleague, Congressman Hank Johnson, had this to say recently. Much like Hitler took over the Nazi party, Trump has taken over the Republican Party. It's now known as the Trump Republican Party. Donald Trump's supporters are older, less educated, less prosperous, and they are dying early. Their lifespans are decreasing. And many are dying from alcoholism, drug overdoses, liver disease, or simply a broken heart caused by economic despair. Okay, Mr. Johnson, President Trump is a lot of things, but he's not Hitler. He didn't kill millions of people. He didn't start a world war. He didn't have any concentration camps. And to accuse him of being Hitler is intellectually dishonest, and frankly, it's a huge insult to the millions of Jews who died under Nazi Germany. But if you want to insult President Trump, at least you're picking on somebody your own size. At least you're picking on somebody who can fight back. But you went on to insult, degrade, and demean tens of millions of Americans who voted for him. It's called them drug-addicted, uneducated, unhappy alcoholics. This is a cowardly form of politics. No matter how much I will disagree with you in Congress, I will never, ever insult the good Americans who voted for you. I will never paint an entire half of the country as deplorables or fools or the dregs of society. I'll never do it. And if I ever do, you better call me out on it because I can't imagine a worse form of leadership. 
These people are exercising their right and their voice the only way they can, which is through their vote. They don't have a TV show, they don't have a radio show, they don't have a weekly column or a big social media following. They have a vote. And you use your public platform to insult and demean them. This is not the behavior we expect from a member of Congress. So I'll leave you with this. Pick on somebody your own size. Pick on me if you like. My office will be right down the hall from yours. I'll see you in Washington. I really like dude style. You know, I, I think that's a, a thing that's lost. And unfortunately, the vets that do get, you know, highlighted are uber libs and they act like an idiot. Um, why get angry and yell and scream? I, don't, I, I, I think that's the, the most depressing part about all of this is back in the day, there was a decorum of professionalism that came out of our uh, senators, congresspeople, the president, and all of that's gone. You know, be it Obama on the mic lecturing you for wrong think, Trump saying the myriad of stupid ass shit he says it's unpresidential. Said it on the show. He's he's unpresidential at times. Sometimes it's cool with the media, and I'm not gonna be a hypocrite. I like that. But the the rest, you know, sometimes it's like, oh Jesus, dude, come on. And then the the left in total right now, uh, their politics are just so ugly. I. I I think we need some adults, is what I'm trying to say. Judicial Watch obtains emails showing Podesta Group worked for pro-Russian Ukrainian political party. That's some big shit right there. Bill Cassidy, MD, on Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. It's sad to see Democrats still calling to abolish ICE. Last night, AOC falsely said a child died in ICE custody and accused ICE officers systematically violating human rights. We're going to play a soundbite she had that, you know, basically... um, the illegal immigrants are more American than Americans, and they're more Americans than the ICE Gestapo. Yeah. He continues, blame Border Patrol for the tragic death of the child who's brought on an extremely dangerous journey is wrong, ignoring the facts. He talks about 2014, do not send your children to the border. That was Obama. The father who said, hey, I didn't have a problem. I declined it. It's, it's me. The um. They take dangerous gang members and deadly drugs off our street. They rescue women and children from ruthless human trafficking. And this is what you say. And yeah, that is what they say. Because they got nothing else. I mean, there is literally a push at the end of the show. Do we need TSA? They want no authority figures but them. And Feinstein, I didn't put it in the show because it's pretty packed. Literally is doing a new assault weapons and it's pistol grip, it's foregrip, it's rails, it's it's basically you can have a deer rifle, that's it. It's not gonna pass. But the point of it is I asked her, who's gonna enforce this? Who's gonna take the guns back? I mean, we already have New Jersey where nobody turned their guns and they said fuck you and ignored the law. That wasn't really reported. We have the buyback that we've showed on the show, people are using to get bigger caliber guns. But when you're in vice, you know, you're basting Leos and you want them to go back to the uh, Bobbies over in fucking Britain where they just have a baton and they don't have weapons. You want to disband ICE, TSA, take the military like they did with Obama back to pre-World War II. Who's going to enforce it? Your private security? Or the illegals that you're bringing in the country? Are they going to enforce this? Is that how you want to do this? Turn them into a... A retribution force? 
I don't know how you're going to enforce these laws. Saying that you're going to ban all ARs when there's fucking 5 million of them is like the old laws on the book in every town that say you can only have sex in the missionary position. It's unenforceable. Even back in the day when me and the wife used to hang for the chandelier, we got a little freaky deaky. That's all I'm saying. So I I don't know how you're going to enforce these things. But So I'm not going to play Trump's speech. I thought it was well-toned. It's one of the first ones that I actually well-toned. And I'm not going to, you know, be, I'm partisan on this. I, I agree we need Border Patrol. I've researched it. I've talked to people. I've been to El Paso. I've been to Tucson, where it's just out of control. Tucson's out of control. Um, we need a border. We need more money being put. We need ISR. We need some serious changes on the amount of people that come in our country in a dangerous world. But as you'll see, the media is so invested in democratic politics, there's a fa- there, there's a phase of unbelievability in all of this that they, they didn't like that he could call that because he shouldn't be able to. We need it before he says it so we can disprove it. We need to have equal time, which isn't a thing. And then a post disagreeing with nothing, because there's no way. He was smart. He didn't get down in the weeds, because he knew they were going to pick it apart. And they just look like petulant school children. So we'll start with a nice little soundbite of pre-speech. And oh my God, I don't think the media... I'll say this before I start the segment. The media and the Democrats don't, they just didn't think what the optics were going to be. And it's kind of like, the only way I could say this, it was like watching somebody winning the lottery and they were bitching about the denomination. It was clearly obvious. You had nothing. You should have just let it go. You look like the bad person because you just fucking hate Trump. So you have a national emergency. Fact checkers eat your Wheaties today. President Trump and his loose relationship with the truth are going prime time. Front and center, the now 18-day government shutdown. An issue President Trump has campaigned on, has rallied his base around, and is now trying to sell to you, the American people. Clearly, crisis is this administration's new favorite word to describe what's happening at the border and why a wall, they say, is the best fix. But that is proving to be a tough sell. For one, the human impact of the shutdown is excruciatingly real. Just three days from now, if a deal is not reached, most of the 800,000 government workers impacted won't get a paycheck. And then there's the sell. As the administration tries to win over members of Congress, they have repeatedly leaned on misleading and at times flat-out false claims. Vice President Mike Pence again today caught in the same lie that was already exposed when Sarah Sanders tried to use it. Nearly 4,000 known or suspected terrorists were apprehended attempting to come into the United States through various means in the last year. Overwhelmingly at airports, not at the border. As ABC's John Carl and the Department of Homeland Security point out, when suspected terrorists are apprehended on their way into the U.S., it is overwhelmingly at airports and not at the southern border. 
But check this out. An administration official with access to the internal data tells CNN roughly a dozen people, a dozen, uh, on the terror watch list were encountered at the southern border. That was between October of 2017 and October uh, of 2018. Half were arrested at a legal point of entry. The others were apprehended somewhere else on U.S. territory without a valid visa. Not 4,000. 12. So if you're doing the math with me at home, the administration was off by about 3,988 suspected terrorists. And while we're on the subject of numbers, again, I give you the vice president. Yeah, but 3,000 uh, special interest individuals, people with suspicious backgrounds that may suggest terrorist connections, were apprehended at our southern border. Special interest individuals. Now, according to the Department of Homeland Security from 2016, a special interest individual is merely a citizen of a country that the U.S. government has designated as having a tendency to promote terrorism. Places like Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Pakistan, but the individual may not have any suspected connection to terrorism whatsoever. In fact, the U.S. welcomes thousands of people from these countries each and every year in the form of visas and citizenship. So what's key here is the difference between using the phrase special interest individual, right, when you come from this hostile country and being on a terror watch list where you're a terrorist. And finally, the vice president mentioned this. Last year alone, 17,000 individuals with criminal histories were apprehended at our southern border. Now, Customs and Border Protection data does show 17,000 people with criminal backgrounds were encountered at the border in the fiscal year of 2018. But that does not mean all of these people had a connection to terrorism or even violent crime. According to CBP, a large portion were nonviolent crimes, including entering the U.S. illegally. So, with so much clearly on the line with this border wall and the government standoff, was the vice president's shell game strategy a preview of what we'll be seeing tonight? Like I said, fact check fact-checkers get ready. This is potentially the longest government shutdown in the history of America. Uh, don't we need to listen? And, and yes, certainly fact-check. And let me tell you here at CNN, we have a whole crew to fact-check and playing also listening to the rebuttal. Don't we have, shouldn't we be listening to the president? Well, you can listen to him and you should, and it should be covered. I just want to know that it needs to be covered in real time. Why not do it on a five-minute or ten-minute delay so you can actually fact-check on the screen, right? Like, there is a, I think the question for networks, CNN included, is what is, what is your greater obligation to appear, quote-unquote, balanced or to ensure that your viewers are getting accurate information in real time? We've never been in a situation where that was an actual right, no. test for a network. It, it is here today, tonight, and it says a lot about the sad state of affairs in America. Dana, how do you see it? Yeah, I mean, I think luckily it's above both of our pay grades, Brooke, to make these decisions. <laughs> and, and, and to be but a fact checker, let me just say, mine. I mean, yes. it, uh, Dan, I mean, to especially if they use new misleading statistics, right? Like we're right. already familiar with exactly. this 4,000 number. But when you throw no. other misleading statistics in there, I wish we were all savants. Uh, I, I, I can only speak for myself and that I'm not. And I can't instantly, like, you can't instantly bang, fact check something. It just takes longer. I think people think it's like VH1 pop-up video. It, it, and it just, it, it, it's impossible. I think you're dating yourself. Dan's way too young for that. But I remember. <laughs> I remember, Brooke. Um, no, but in, in all seriousness, I was joking that, it, that it's above our pay grade. 
But it is, these are really unchartered waters. President Trump will make his case to the nation tonight. In a primetime address from the Oval Office, Mr. Trump will reportedly address the shutdown and his demand for a border wall. Sources tell CNN the president's allies have told him his border message is not resonating. Democrats, meanwhile, are calling the speech a publicity stunt and demanding equal time for a rebuttal. So this morning, the fact checkers are eating their Wheaties and getting extra rest since they will be working overtime tonight to separate fact from fiction on this border situation. Just one of the president's claims that has proven to be a lie, for example, President Trump claimed he had had conversations with his predecessors about a border wall, and some of them, some former presidents, President Trump claims, has told him they wished they had built a wall. But every living president now says that's not true. Think about that. Congress is back today, just three days before nearly a million federal workers missed their first paycheck because of the shutdown. TSA officials are concerned about how to keep the airport security agents working without pay, uh, how to keep them on the job. And millions of low-income Americans could lose their food assistance if the shutdown drags on. Joining us now is Mark Short, former White House Director of Legislative Affairs for President Trump, Sung Min Kim, White House reporter at The Washington Post, and CNN political analyst David Gregory. Mark Short, I want to start with you. We're just hearing from our Hill reporters that Republicans are getting antsy over this shutdown. Republicans on the Hill, we already know three in the Senate, want to end it now. 15 to 20 in the House say they will vote along with the Democrats. Republicans are getting antsy about the shutdown. Other sources tell CNN that the president's allies are telling him his message is not resonating. Why isn't it resonating? Uh, I don't know, John. I think that the president will have a chance to make his case tonight to the American people. I think that if you step back and say the president asked for $5 billion for wall funding, and Democrat objection was they would not support a concrete wall. The president has shifted and said he's comfortable with steel barriers. They said $5 billion was too expensive, yet they passed a budget just recently with $20 billion additional spending. $5 billion represents one-tenth of 1% 1 of the overall budget. I think the president has the opportunity to make his case in a way that is compelling to the American people. Today. What would be different about it tonight, though, Mark? And I put these numbers up on the screen because support for the wall has not budged. I'm talking about from September of 2016 to now, 57% opposed it. It was 58% in 2016. It has not budged. The president talks about this all the time. How's, hasn't convinced him yet. Why will tonight be different? Well, I think that uh, the president can make this a broader case about border security. And I think that polls show that over 85% of the American people think that we need to have border security. I think this is one element of it. And this is something that, as you and I have talked on your show, that it's more effective when Customs and Border Patrol is making the case to say this is something we've asked for even since before Trump was president and to make it less partisan and say this is an important element of what we're trying to do to secure our border. Ninety percent of the heroin in the United States comes from the southern border. A large percentage through, of the fentanyl. Legal, legal pathways, through the legal ports of entry. Here, we just need to be clear, Mark, okay? Because what the administration has been telling uh, the American public has been erroneous. They've been using erroneous numbers and they've been conflating them with the southern border when that is misleading. And so, let's be clear, the heroin that is gripping our country comes mostly, the vast majority, through legal ports of entry in tractor trailers and private passenger cars. And you know what people who want border security are calling for? Those scanners that can pick it up better than people who are just visually waving these and vehicles Allison, through. That's, and that's, that's what the president part, should be talking that's about. That's been part of the president's budget request is to have more money for those tools. 
It's also part of the request to have additional beds and have additional ICE agents and have additional judges that each time Democrats have refused to provide that funding over the last couple of years in each of the appropriations Mark, bills. So, yes, that Allison. is that I feel that you are also being misleading. The president I'm handles not, the boarding Allison, border wall Allison, go all look the time. At our he doesn't budget. mention all of these things. He doesn't well, talk about that. He has the biggest bully well, pulpit in the world. But you just asked me what would, what would be effective, and I'm trying to explain to you. Those are all the things that we've asked for the last couple of years. The Democrats have refused to fund each of the last years. They were part Mark, of our appropriations in 2017. In one of they the bipartisan part, offers that never got anywhere, it was $25 Allison, billion They were part of our budget request in 2017 and part of our budget request in 2018 and part of the budget request for next year. The Democrats refused to fund the ICE agents. They refused to fund the judges. They refused to fund additional detention beds each and every time. Uh, uh, listen, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do it, but do you think it should be, I don't know, a delay of some sort? And then you can, because people believe it. People, the president will say what he has to say. People will believe it, whether the facts are true or not. I guess that's a chance you take with any president, but yeah. this, one, this one is different. And then by the time the rebuttals come on, we've already promoted propaganda, possibly, unless he gets up there and he tells the truth. He has his right to make the <clears> argument <throat> to the American people. And by the way, wanting barriers along the border is not propaganda. No, no, no. It's not immoral. The facts, it's not wrong. The facts are no, but I understand. I don't think limiting it. I do think, and I said this before, I do think that the strategy or whatever it is that you did in the past is different with this president because, or this administration, they will call for a briefing or a press conference or whatever and then not answer any questions and then just promote something politically, not take questions, and maybe at the last second, like he did with uh, President Obama. Oh, President Obama was not born in, you know, uh, mm. Africa. And then he goes away and doesn't take any questions. Or like they did last week, the, the stunt right. uh, in the briefing room. I just think you have to be more strategic uh, and more responsible to the viewer with this administration because it doesn't matter. We always say, it doesn't matter who's first. It matters who's accurate, right, if mm -hmm. we get it right. I think we should apply the same parameters and um, that, that we do with that. We want to be accurate. We don't have to be first. We can monitor what the president is saying or monitor what's being said in the briefing room. And then if it's, if it's newsworthy, if they're taking questions about a topic that's important, then we can get to that topic. Then we can go there. We can break in and say, listen, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is taking questions about the border wall right now. Let's go. But if it's a political stunt, why do we even have to do it and I don't know, just expose the viewer and the American people to propaganda. What kind of news agency does that? Who says, fact checkers, get out your, or better eat your Wheaties? I mean, who does this? Uh, laugh out loud. This fretting about Trump makes an eight-minute speech in the prime time for the people who gave Trump millions of dollars in primetime air during the campaign is hilarious. Brian Steltzer. Most Americans see right through Trump's tricks. Poll after poll show most Americans do not trust him. That's why I'm skeptical that any primetime address will change minds. Whether it will intensify support opposition is another cue. I'm waiting to hear back from ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox broadcast about whether they will carry Trump's primetime address tomorrow night. The networks don't automatically say yes when a president asks for airtime. 
This is just in from a network source. Time has been requested tomorrow night, blah, blah, blah. He called us fake news all the time. It needs access to the airwaves. We give him that time. He'll deliver a fact-free screed about a rebuttal. And if we don't give him the time, he'll call every network parson. So we are damned if we do and damned if we don't. This is so bizarre that networks have been covering every single time Trump sneezes since the moment he announces candidacy to the point of exhaustive lunacy. Now he's going to do official address and there's a question on whether to air it. How did the network get into this position? They did this to themselves for giving a pass to the White House from 2009 to 17. That was a reply to Stelzer. Don't remember him saying no to Obama. And that an exec texted that back to Brian Stelzer. Do we once again want to go through the, there's no bias in our mainstream media in Hollywood. They're not lefties. NBC, to air or not to air, network faces pressure over broadcast Trump's immigration address. Michelle Malkin was smart. She decided, well, let's just show the truth. 2011, Egypt. 2011, government shutdown. 2011, death of Bin Laden. 2011, announced a troop withdrawal in Afghanistan. 12, announced a troop withdrawal in Afghanistan. 13, Boston Marathon. Uh, September address, Syria. October 13, government shutdown. August 2014, airstrike in Iraq. September 2014, ISIS, Syria and Iraq. December 2015, San Bernardino. All aired. No questions. And no equal time, my friends. There, There is no equal time on the Oval Office. And you know, the funny thing is about this, I'm just now starting to see the rando Democrats that they say, I'm from Des Moines and I came here to show my kids Lincoln's dick and I can't even get in the memorial. I think the media realized last time they did that, it didn't work for the Democrats. Just didn't work. Their fact-checking was driving them crazy. Uh, they. This is a statement from dear leader Pelosi and Schumer. The facts are clear. Trump has the power to stop hurting the country by reopening the government. Democrats and increasing number of Republicans in Congress repeatedly urge the president and leader McConnell to end the shutdown, reopen the government while Congress debates the president's expensive and ineffective wall. President Trump keeps rejecting the bipartisan House passed bills. Bipartisan. They had abortion in there. That's not bipartisan, which have already received strong bipartisan support in the Senate. No, they don't. To reopen the government instead, he's still demanding that American taxpayers pay $5.7 billion for his wall, which can't pass either chamber, and of course, Mexico's not paying for it. Now the television networks have decided the air to president's directs, which is the past statements or any indication will be full of malice, misinformation, Democrats must immediately be given equal time. On a day... On day one of the new Congress, the House passed bipartisan legislation that honors our responsibility to protect the American people with funding for smart, effective border security solutions, just not the president's wasteful wall. Here's the deal. How do they get away with bipartisan when it's a lie? Everybody knows it's a lie. A blue check conservative. This is an actual statement released by people who think they're privileged to do this. I've never seen such a contempt and tantrum behavior. Epic derangement and sanity. Only the president gets the address. They just refuse to accept they lost. I heard once that elections have consequences. They can't just go on Colbert? A lot of people ask. Alternative facts. Pelosi to Homeland Security Secretary. I reject your facts. 
There are three types of lies. Lies, damn lies, and statistics. Facts are fungible. In today's world, maybe that's true. Certainly in the facts of these days, Democrats and Republicans seem to be operating with different sets of facts. So she was given a bunch of information by Kirsten Gillibrand, and she said, I reject the facts. After saying that, Nielsen, I'm very disappointed the Dems did not want to hear from DHS Gov about the security and human crisis they're facing at the border. They didn't want to hear about criminal aliens, drug smugglers, smuggled and abused children in violent caravans trying to breach the border wall. It was preposterous, Durbin said, at a time when we have lowest level of apprehensions at the border, stopping people from coming in illegally, the lowest level historically, she's saying that we all, these terrorists and criminals... She replies, the crisis is not going away. It's getting worse. Status quo is funding authorities for DHS is responsible and makes our country less secure. Kicking the can down the road, it's not the answer. I look forward to engaging with members who want to listen and be part of the solution. You know, well, let me get Jim Jordan. Speaker Pelosi thinks the border security wall is immortal, that immoral. Then why doesn't she sponsor legislation to take it down in San Diego? Preet Bharara. There's no national emergency, because now he's an expert. Jim Hansen, you know what the funny part is, buddy? The authority determined that is given to wait for it, POTUS. These fucking people are no different. Dude, this is the same Democrats that wouldn't fund the war in Iraq. And I don't understand why the American people vote for these people. They just don't care about you. They don't give a fuck. They mock the statistics. They say it's a one-off when Steingel gets killed. And every episode I'm talking about somebody getting killed by an illegal driving without a license insurance, fucking green card, nothing. Drunk. They don't care. And I know there's plenty of Americans driving without a license insurance, green card, or anything. Drunk. But they're supposed to be here. That's the worst part about these. You're not supposed to be here. I remember when soldiers killed people in Korea by accidents. We had to get them out of the country. Because that country was going to fuck that ass up. Because we're not supposed to be there. But we can't do that. The funny thing is resistance members have been saying the national emergency is in the White House. On cue, New York Times. The crisis is in the Oval Office. Yeah. That, they freaked out, folks. They couldn't handle that. They couldn't stop this. They couldn't get ahead of it, and they didn't know what he was saying. Nets fear Trump declaring border national emergency. Uh, here it hitting the wall, both sides digging hard, the shutdown enters third week, and the president threatens to go it alone on the wall, Savannah Guffrey said. Presidential knowledge that he was looking at a national emergency because we have a national emergency. Guthrie declared Democrats say no saying no chance. And report the follow minutes later, White House correspondent Kirsten Welker fretted, and in a bid to try to turn up the heat on Democrats on Sunday, President Trump again threatened to declare a national emergency and unilaterally send troops to the border. Such a move would undoubtedly face legal challenges. Democrats fired back. 
A clip ran of California Congressman Adam Schiff scolding, this president doesn't have the power to declare an emergency and build a multi-billion dollar wall on the border. Shut down, shut down. President Trump now threatening to declare a national emergency on the bar, said Good Morning America. And President Trump is digging in on what threat to declare a national emergency. Senior correspondent Mary Bruce is ABC. And with no compromise in sight, the president is now considering going alone. Word for word. CBS. Word for word. It's like they all sync. They got another website. Just like pre-Obama. Another website. They're just syncing their talking points. He does have the authority. He's the POTUS. You may not recognize him, but he's the POTUS. He can do it. To me, it's we can't stop him, which sucks, so we're going to throw a fit. And secondly, it's a base issue. Their base wants unfettered immigration They don't care about the crime and craziness that comes with it. They want to ban law enforcement. They want to take away people's guns. They want to get rid of ICE. The Democratic leaders know that's not what the country thinks. So they got a grandstand for their base, but they know it's dangerous. A journalist, Garrett M. Graff. Interesting challenge for the network's news organization on Trump address border wall. If you have ever reason to suspect the president will lie or at least deliberately mislead in his national remarks, do you give him airtime? Susan Hennessy is absolutely zero benefit to viewers of the networks covering the live as opposed to on a sufficient delay for one journalist to fact check and contextualize that came right out of uh, Don Lemon's mouth. Pelosi or Schumer to give a similarly prominent opportunity to respond. Jim Hansen replying to the CNN reporter who was Hennessy, because without journalists adding their spin, the people might not come to the conclusion you want. They had no journalistic integrity. They threw an outright tantrum over the fact that they couldn't Put their democratic spin on what was going to come out of his mouth before it came out of his mouth. So you have a national emergency based on fiction. Um, and that's the problem for putting this on the air. There are real issues about, and I think the networks, ha- I hope, struggled yesterday with the decision uh, to put this on. Because he consistently hasn't uh, told the truth. And, you know, someone's got to fact check that. Um, you know, if, if I were a network executive, which I'm not, um, I wouldn't put this on live. I would let him give the address and I'd look at it and find out what's true, what's not. Or I'd say, give me the text in advance. Let us decide in advance what's true, what's not. Because we shouldn't be using our public airwaves for someone to spew more of these lies. President Trump set to make his case for a border wall as the government shutdown enters its 18th day. Democrats fighting back, saying the speech will be nothing but malice and misinformation. Democrats are clearly concerned about the nation only hearing one side of this argument and not getting the facts. They are demanding equal time tonight to respond, saying in a statement, quote, if the president's past statements are any indication, it will be full of malice and misinformation. Democrats have vowed to fight any attempts to buy past Congress with legal challenges. They also alleged that if the president's past statements are any indication, his address tonight will be full of, quote, misinformation and malice.
Okay, so we are now in day 18 of Trump's shutdown. Yeah. Let's call it what it is. It's his shutdown. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's going to give a speech tonight. There's going to be a lot of lies in the speech. <laughs> oh, you know, we know that. The networks, uh, to my opinion, need to, like, chiron the truth and have a delay mm -hmm. so that they can say the truth. Mm -hmm. But what if he's effective? What if he actually convinces people of these lies? What will the Democrats do? Well, we have to keep speaking truth. There's no question. Um, when, whenever, you know, faced with a lie, we have to speak truth. Again, that's part of my book. And it's going to be about the media. I mean, I think that there's no question that the American public is increasingly starting to understand that they do need to question the veracity of the administration's yeah. statements. Um, and, but, 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 and, but for good reason, but for good reason. We're two years into an administration that has proven itself, and there's plenty of empirical evidence, um, that, that there are statements that are being made that are just simply not the truth. And are frankly, and are frankly often, especially leading up to the midterms, pardon this term, propaganda. And we have to call it what it is. And again, the American public deserves better. We have enough problems. One doesn't need to create a problem. <laughs> One does not need to create a problem. This issue mm -hmm. is about a vanity project for this president. Right. Mm -hmm. And it is a problem of his own making. Right. And listen, when I travel this country, Folks have plenty enough problems that they need their president to focus on you know instead of a wall that, by the way, because I was a prosecutor for many years, including the Attorney General of California, I specialized on transnational criminal organizations. Yeah. That's, that wall ain't going to stop them. I, I, listen, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do it, but do you think there should be, I don't know, a delay of some sort? And then you can, because people believe it. People, the president will say what he has to say. People will believe it, whether the facts are true or not. I guess that's a chance you take with any president, but this, yeah. one, this one is different. And then by the time the rebuttals come on, we've already promoted propaganda, possibly, and if, unless he gets up there and he tells the truth. He has his right to make the argument <clears throat> to the American people. And by the way, wanting barriers along the border is not propaganda. No, no, no. It's not immoral. The facts, it's not wrong. The facts One of the most time-honored and powerful ways a president has to communicate with the American people is through a primetime Oval Office address, the majesty of the setting, the request for valuable television time, network TV time, with the ability to capture the focus of the people of the United States to, you know, maybe the signal uh, to the country that says, this is something of national importance. As your president, I need to communicate with my fellow citizens our shared challenges and how we're going to meet them together. We've seen that before. Done right, a nighttime Oval Office address can unite the country in trying times. It can inspire the better angels in ourselves. But all the signs here indicate that is not what Donald Trump has in mind, and the networks have a decision to make. Do they want to run the promise of more lies, more misleading statistics, more twisting of reality, mindless confrontation, all for the sake of defending Trump's dark, twisted fantasy on a wall on the Mexican border to fight an enemy that doesn't exist except in the most fevered swamps of American politics? Do, you, do they want to do that for ratings? Like they've done with other presidents in other times, the networks should refuse to turn over the airwaves to Donald Trump tonight for what they know objectively to be a steady stream of lies.
Maybe that will stop him from debasing yet another one of our historic, solemn, and, and cherished presidential traditions. They shouldn't run it. Not, well, not on the, the main networks. Everything you just heard came out of Democrats' mouth. Our media sounded no different than, well, Manda posthumously, a resistance member. I would rather saw off my own vagina than watch Trump's address tonight. Hashtag boycott Trump's primetime. Hollywood rages at the thought of Trump being able to do this. I mean, just rage. Rob Reiner tweeted in anger about the threat Trump's Oval Office dress will have to our democracy. And anyway, there's no problem at the border. The quite the bet, the hedge for the sake of a lefty point of view. He wrote tonight, the media will turn the oldest living democracy into a reality show by allowing a pathological liar to treat American citizens like suckers. George Takaki ran his shit. Sarah Silverman, Chelsea Hanlon. I'm not even giving him equal time. Sorry. Uh, Chris Evans. He went after the fucking VP. Wow, VP is an abstentious little worm just desperately trying to sanitize Trump's lies. He has no shame. Keep tap dancing, you fool. We all see you. And Jonathan Carl, listen to the animus in this interview with the Vice President of the United States. How can the President be, how can his word be trusted on this when he has said so many things that are just not true about this crisis. He said that Barack Obama has a 10-foot wall built around his house here in Washington. You know that's not true. He said that some of his predecessors told, uh, told him that they wanted to build a wall, but all four living presidents have now put out statements saying that they never had any such conversation with the president. And then you saw uh, Sarah Sanders say that nearly 4,000 uh, terrorists come into the country every year and, and you know that's not true either how how can the american people trust the president when he says this is a crisis when he says things over and over again that aren't true but why are we in this mess in the first place the president said over and over again in fact you said that mexico was going to pay for this wall so now he's shutting down the government so that to force taxpayers to pay for the wall I mean, that was, that was a promise that he didn't say once or twice or three times. He said over and over and over again, Mexico's going to pay. That's right. And the president renegotiated uh, the NAFTA agreement, now the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, in a way that will benefit the United States of America in jobs and tax revenues in the hundreds of billions of dollars that's not what he said. He didn't say he was going to renegotiate a deal. To he, come. he said and, Mexico was going to pay also for Is that journalism? I mean, goddamn, Will and Grace, I mean, they sound, they sound like loser, far-left, page in Oregon's. It doesn't matter if he gave them all a million dollars. They'd be budget hawks. If he saved pandas, he's a motherfucker. I understand pages in Oregon. I don't understand our media. He's a fucking liar. Every network said that. He's a liar. He's going to lie to the American people. And it's the first time since 2016 they can't stop him. They can't talk over him. They can't get ahead of it. They have been discrediting him forever. And then he does it. As we'll see, the AP says both sides are at fault. Slate said it was too close for comfort. They couldn't refute what he said. And that's the thing, man. 
This isn't about, oh, just we hate Trump. It's about they're on the wrong side of this issue and they know it, but that's where their base is. So the media and the Democrats spin it all the time. And this is the first time, unless you watched Fox News or you read the Wall Street Journal or the New York Post or you you actually researched this and went to DHS and read the statistics like I have. Oh my God, there are terrorists getting over here. Six. I saw people mocking it. They took down airplanes. They took down the World Trade Center. San Bernardino. Do I need a list all the times during Obama administration we were attacked? Shoe bomber. The drugs. The gangs. The trafficking. They're so on the wrong side. And Sid and Nancy here, which I'm going to have fun with it because they looked insane. This is their response. Good evening. I appreciate the opportunity to speak directly to the American people tonight about how we can end this shutdown and meet the needs of the American people. Sadly, much of what we heard from President Trump throughout this sense of shutdown has been full of misinformation and even malice. The president has chosen fear. We want to start with the facts. The fact is, On the very first day of this Congress, House Democrats passed Senate Republican legislation to reopen government and fund smart, effective border security solutions. But the president is rejecting these bipartisan bills which would reopen government over his obsession with forcing American taxpayers to waste billions of dollars on an expensive and ineffective wall, a wall he always promised Mexico would pay for. The fact is... President Trump has chosen to hold hostage critical services for the health, safety, and well-being of the American people and withhold the paychecks of 800,000 innocent workers across the nation, many of them veterans. He promised to keep government shut down for months or years, no matter whom it hurts. That's just plain wrong. The fact is, we all agree we need to secure our borders while honoring our values. We can build the infrastructure and roads at our ports of entry. We can install new technology to scan cars and trucks for drugs coming into our nation. We can hire the personnel we need to facilitate trade and immigration at the border. We can fund more innovation to detect unauthorized crossings. The fact is, the women and children at the border are not a security threat. They are a humanitarian challenge, a challenge that President Trump's own cruel and counterproductive policies have only deepened. And the fact is, President Trump must stop holding the American people hostage, must stop manufacturing a crisis, and must reopen the government. Thank you. Leader Schumer. Thank you, Speaker Pelosi. My fellow Americans, we address you tonight for one reason only. The President of the United States, having failed to get Mexico to pay for his ineffective, unnecessary border wall, and unable to convince the Congress or the American people to foot the bill, has shut down the government. American democracy doesn't work that way. We don't govern by temper tantrum. No president should pound the table and demand he gets his way, or else the government shuts down, hurting millions of Americans who are treated as leverage. Tonight, and throughout this debate, and throughout his presidency, President Trump has appealed to fear, not facts, division, not unity. 
Make no mistake, Democrats and the President both want stronger border security. However, we sharply disagree with the President about the most effective way to do it. So, how do we untangle this mess? Well, there's an obvious solution. Separate the shutdown from arguments over border security. There is bipartisan legislation supported by Democrats and Republicans to reopen government while allowing debate over border security to continue. There is no excuse for hurting millions of Americans over a policy difference. Federal workers are about to miss a paycheck. Some families can't get a mortgage to buy a new home. Farmers and small businesses won't get loans they desperately need. Most presidents have used Oval Office addresses for noble purposes. This president just used the backdrop of the Oval Office to manufacture a crisis, stoke fear, and divert attention from the turmoil in his administration. My fellow Americans, there is no challenge so great that our nation cannot rise to meet it. We can reopen the government and continue to work through disagreements over policy. We can secure our border without an ineffective, expensive wall. And we can welcome legal immigrants and refugees without compromising safety and security. The symbol of America should be the Statue of Liberty, not a 30-foot wall. So our suggestion is a simple one. Mr. President, reopen the government and we can work to resolve our differences over border security but end this shutdown now. Thank you. The optics could not be worse. They were so bad. Here's Brian Williams. James, uh, you shouldn't have to answer for all uh, advanced people, right. all political types, and both <laughs> right. parties. But tell me why responses are so bad tonight. <laughs> This uh, Chuck and Nancy visual tonight launched a thousand memes while they were still talking. Yeah. There was an American Gothic meme. There was a right. your mother and I are very upset you, you stayed out so late meme. And, and someone has to account for Bobby Jindal, uh, his guest appearance in um, uh, Gone with the Wind. And for Rubio drinking water, but this visual from tonight right. goes down in the pantheon. What is the problem with responses, James? I, I you know, I don't, they, they seldom, if ever, work at the State of the Union. They usually get some young person to respond. Uh, they tried that with Jindal. That didn't work very well. I, I I don't think they wanted to do it. I don't think they should have done it. And I guarantee you at the staff meeting tomorrow morning, somebody is going to get, you know, chewed out pretty good about this whole yes. thing. The only good thing about it, it didn't matter. They could have given a Gettysburg address and it wouldn't have mattered. It didn't, it, it was, it didn't, he didn't want to be. I've been more excited about colonoscopies than he wasn't giving a speech tonight. He, he, well, he didn't want to be there. Well, we've now we've completed our journey through the human body. Hey, uh, Michael, the first thing people said on social media tonight was it looked like the Democrats only had the one podium. Uh, these two people, uh, both of great station and accomplishment, are sharing this little, tiny, modest wooden podium.
Yeah, I, I didn't get it. I, I looked at that. And I, I tweeted out. I thought it was me. Dems, don't do that again. You know, you don't. I don't know what they were trying to accomplish here. Uh, certainly, the message was lost in the visual. Um, but uh, Jim, that's right. I mean, did it really matter in the end? Uh, because nobody wanted to be doing what they were doing tonight, and that's the bottom line. If you lost Brian Williams, you're pretty much fucked up. But HuffPo, the image of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer staying stoically together, schooling the president, was instant hit on Twitter. Memes of the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Schumer flooded Twitter on Tuesday night after the pair fired back at Donald Trump's presidential address. That's not... No, no, guys. The internet is laughing with you, really. Yeah, pretty sure that's not how Twitter used the image. I'm having a bad feeling I'm right at the wrong gate. Perhaps I shouldn't have taken the stairs. Uh, It's ma'am showing them both their face swapped. Oh, woman, why are these people in office? I can't understand from the beginning why they put Pelosi as a speaker. They insult the American people intelligence. It's such a joke. Chuck and Nancy look like they're selling me a reverse mortgage. I prefer the original American Gothic, which is the picture of the old lady and the old man with a pitchfork. If you disagree with Trump, you find yourself disagreeing with Chuck and Nancy more. Schumer and Pelosi look like they're introducing the nominees for excellence and art of sound editing. Standing next to someone else who's giving prepared marks into a camera without looking at the person or reacting, as Chuck Schumer is doing right now. Is Schumer having a stroke? Seriously, is he okay? Can Schumer stare down the teleprompter any harder? I think she's a hostage, but I'm not sure. Couldn't someone on the Pelosi-Schumer team mention it's a bad idea to keep a crazy eye through their statement? Chuck Schumer mansplains what Nancy Pelosi just said. Leader Schumer, thank you, Speaker Pelosi. And the best part, Eric Wormer, Schumer and Pelosi currently watching replay of their own. All the networks showed it. The picture is him with his hand on his head about to have an aneurysm and she's got resting bitch face. Dear God, what were we thinking? Oh God, what have we done, Chuck? We really screwed the pooch. Nancy, I look good, Chuck and Nancy. This is what defeat looks like. What a fantastic ad for the midterms. What a fantastic ad for term limits. Might have been better not to respond at all. But the media... Just like HuffPo. HuffPo, far left. That's why he used it. They they didn't see it that way. Stephen Miller, CNN has six people on a panel sitting at a desk all agreeing with each other, so that's incredibly compelling television. Within seconds of the speech, scripted Trump does little to convince skeptics on border wall. John Gabriel, reporters now giving the Democratic response to Trump's speech. It was so true. Washington Post, fact-checking Trump's address, 266,000 aliens arrested the past two years. The number is right, but misleading. People go, the number is right, but we have an agenda. So here comes an essay on why we are better people than you. (laughs) That's so true. That number is accurate, but makes us uncomfortable. All these misleading warriors. So which crime is better than the other? Crazy. Jim Acosta. In his Oval Office address, Trump is painting undocumented against his criminals. This has not changed since he launched his run for the White House. Jim, I have bad news about what we do in fact. 
call people who break the law, and he gave concrete examples, something you rarely do, but we call them criminals. David Rubin, this is why mainstream media is crumbling and our discourse is so bad. Jim knows perfectly well that undocumented immigrants are criminals and that they are illegally here. That is, in and of itself, a crime. Legal immigration is not a crime. This is sixth grade stuff. Somebody else being a smartass. I guess those guys who burglarized my house were just unrequested home redecorators, which I thought was perfect. Another one. Interesting choice of adjective. Wouldn't have documented be equivalent to illegal? Isn't illegal a synonym with criminal? And Krasistein. 77 years ago, Hitler built, Hitler built a wall. Just saying. Seth Myers. During part of... About the dead Americans. Joked, is this a Oval Office SVU? People are asking for apology. He'll never do it. Greg Gutfeld, the fact-checking feast that CNN expected and salivated over all day came up empty. Hard to fact-check actual dead and innocent Americans. And the AP... AP fact check. Democrats put the blame to the shutdown on Trump, but it takes two to tango. Trump's demand for $5.7 billion for his border wall is one reason for the budget impasse. The Democrats' refusal to approve the money is another, and it's hard to argue it when you put more money into abortion in other fucking countries. Forty-three fucking instances of long segments about the media dogging Trump. Five somewhat critical statements of the Dems. Brian Williams being one of them. The media did not disappoint. Here is their response to his address. Well, let's do this. Let's get some context of how the White House feels uh, that this went over tonight, whether or not this moved the needle for them. We have our chief White House correspondent, Jim Acosta. Jim, what are you hearing and what did you think from what you heard? Well, Chris, I think that uh, that address probably should have come with a a surgeon general's warning. It was hazardous to the truth. Uh, There were there were a number of claims that the president made uh, in that speech that just are not going to stand up uh, to the facts. You, You mentioned a couple of them. One of them being uh, this thing that he said over and over again that the new trade deal with Mexico is going to somehow pay for the wall. Uh, You know, Chris, this just goes back to what we were all anticipating before this address, and that is that this was primarily going to be recycled rhetoric from the president's uh, rallies and his immigration speeches. And I think that's pretty much what we got. Uh, He also continued to paint immigrants as criminals and killers and so on when they come across the border uh, illegally. And, right. you know, that, that, is, that is something that he has basically said since he launched his bid for the presidency when he described Mexican immigrants as rapists and criminals. Uh, and he said, well, and some, I suppose, are, are good people. Uh, you know, not, not much has changed in terms of the president's rhetoric on this. And I think that was pretty clear in this speech. Now, one thing I will tell you, he did say at one point during this address, Chris, he said that Democrats asked for the steel barrier. He yeah. said at the request of Democrats, mm-hmm. it will be a steel barrier rather than a concrete wall. I just talked to a senior Democratic aide up on Capitol Hill who said, no, we as a party did not ask for a steel barrier. As, as they've been saying time and again, they don't want a wall and they don't want to reward the president for the right. shutdown. Although they have financed steel barriers, which are the ones that are in place 
right now. It's amazing how everybody's trying to forget the history here. That the fencing, fencing, absolutely. Democrats and Republicans have supported that kind of fencing along the border and, and repairing the fencing and making those kinds of repairs along the border. Uh, but, but the president said tonight that Democrats made this request. And I talked to a senior Democratic aide and said that that's just not accurate. And so time and again, and we anticipated this before the president's address tonight, Chris, that he would use this opportunity, very, uh, very valuable primetime programming on all the networks to once again recycle this rhetoric from the campaign trail, from the rallies and so on, and also add into that witch's brew a lot of claims that just don't turn out to be true. Uh, and the president is guilty of it once again. And for those folks that thought, you know what, maybe tonight uh, he'll turn over a new leaf and, and maybe they'll run this through the fact checkers. Uh, it just didn't happen. You know, blaming Democrats for this shutdown. He said in the Oval Office he would take ownership of the shutdown. Uh, and when he talks about having a heart and soul, you know, a lot of Democrats and even a lot of Republicans would respond. And they've said this on our air, Chris, that lock locking up children in cages on the border, putting them in jail like settings on the border. Uh, that that is heartless. That is soulless. And mm. so my guess is, is after this address uh, is chewed over over the next couple of days, we're going to find ourselves basically right where we were. This shutdown dragging on unless the president somehow caves in all of this. And I, I saw no indication of that in that address tonight, Chris. For them, we have our chief White House correspondent, Jim Acosta. Jim, what are you hearing yep. and what did you think from what you heard? Well, I, Chris, I think that uh, that address probably should have come with a, a Surgeon General's warning. It was hazardous to the truth. Uh, there were there were a number of claims that the president made uh, in that speech that just are not going to stand up uh, to the facts. You, you mentioned a couple of them. Both have been in Congress, and I've said this so many times. Every time the people around a principle is a very accurate reflection to that principle. The reason Paul Manafort went to work for Trump, and remember, Rick, he didn't come into the Trump campaign at the beginning when nobody thought he could win. He came to the Trump campaign almost around the convention time when he had already knocked off most of the what we thought were the credible uh, candidates. And today, you know why today is a win for Trump, despite this farce of an address to Trump nation? Because instead of this being the lead story, we are talking about his narrative that he put out with this, uh, you know, with his address to the nation. The same way that he did last week, let's remember, when he had that fake press briefing, which wasn't a briefing where he took no questions. But he didn't so know he about has, the Mueller stuff. He has figured it out. That was right. just serendipitous Anna tonight that he was talking about something else. I do not right. think there's any evidence Listen. that this was artificial Anna's, tonight. Anna's, Can Anna's I tell you something? Like helicopter. He needs to stay, he needs to stay something every day because every day there's, there's a difference. We have no reason to believe he knew about this. He wants to talk about a wall because the news is tightening in the Mueller he investigation. He wants to talk about the and wall because it why helped he him wants, win the primary. In order, in order to divert look, attention all I'm saying to is real this. serious constitutional here, here, crisis here's what that we, we have. Look, and that's fine. You can, you can cast it that way. But here's what we know for sure. The idea that there is no suggestion or proof that the campaign had anything to do with Russian interference efforts can no longer be said without any type of check If it's on. true. Well, what was um, intriguing to me is how much it lacked any new information in some ways. It actually reminded me he gave a more formalized version of really what the stump speech he used in the last month of the campaign when he was trying to make the case that there was a crisis at the border, when he was trying to use the fear of crime. Uh, he was used various phrases like he did tonight, you, you know, how much more blood has to be shed. He really would try to 
put it in very visual, stark terms. President clearly digging in. Democrats have no incentive uh, to give him what he wants. The government has been funded uh, several times since this president has been in office without this wall. He has decided that this is going to be uh, his last stand. And, and Lester, tonight it just doesn't seem as though we are any closer to a resolution here. Yeah, he didn't seem to offer anything that would bring comfort to those 800,000 workers and their families who will likely miss a check this uh, Friday. Chuck, I'm scratching my head here trying to figure out who the intended audience was that the president really wanted to reach today. Tonight was an attempt to try to get back uh, on top of this, try to reassure these wavering Republicans on Capitol Hill that Casey was talking to you about um, from bailing on him. He's going to have a meeting with them tomorrow and those Senate Republicans. But I have to tell you, I didn't hear anything tonight that in my mind would somehow reassure wobbly Republicans that they should stick by him on this tomorrow. Start out with this idea of crisis. The president used that word several times in the speech, but the overall numbers of immigrants coming across that border far down from its peak. Just because you say it's a crisis, George, doesn't necessarily make it one. So let's go over a few facts here. Apprehensions of illegal crossings, as you say, have been on the decline for decades. They have, however, been picking up in the last year and in recent months. Uh, we heard from a president held in low regard by most Americans touting a policy proposal held in low regard by most Americans. And tonight, based on what we just heard, is all about posturing. I heard nothing specific from either side on some kind of a compromise that could potentially break this logjam starting tomorrow. Part of the problem is that they can't agree on the facts. Now, we could spend hours going over the facts that are shared by either side, but we should call out, call out some of them. The president tonight, for example, saying that 20,000 children were found crossing the border illegally last month. Not quite. According to the Customs and Border Protection, 4,982 unaccompanied minors were apprehended in October, about 5,200 in November, and family units is how Customs and Border Protection defines it, about 23,115. So he talks about children. In fact, it's members of families who cross the border. It's that kind of uh, tweaking of facts that is aggravating Democrats. And you consider that speech, what a powerful argument it makes uh, against the theory of evolution. As we look at the continuing debasement of the office of the presidency of the United States. We saw from Trump today the typical lying, the racial demagoguery, the nonsense, the spinning of crises out of whole cloth. They will reopen the government. And at that point, what will become clear is that even the Republican minority in the House, the Republican majority in the Senate will have joined every world leader, most of the American people as a group who do not take this man seriously at all. They look at him as a joke, a clown, and a farce. Uh, John Meacham, you uh, tweeted something earlier uh, that really struck me, and I'd like the country to could consider it. We're going to put it up uh, as, I, as I read it. Uh, you said, America should build a wall of steel, a wall as high as heaven, against the flow of immigrants. Gov Georgia Governor Clifford Walker at a 1924 convention of the Ku Klux Klan, then a powerful force at a time of strain for the white working class. And John, uh, the anti-immigrant wall concept has been around for a while. Sure has. Uh, Walker was a Georgia politician who had not been a member of the Klan and had lost a gubernatorial election, so he joined the Klan and he won. 
he gave that speech at a, a convocation, they called it, in, in Kansas City in 24. Remarkable period. 1924, uh, as you know, was the Democratic National Convention. It drove the convention to 103 ballots because there were something like 327 members of the Klan who were delegates to that convention, and they couldn't vote for this radical figure, Al Smith. Why? Because he was an Irish Catholic. And there was this ferocious anti-immigrant sentiment. It goes all the way back to 1798 when we passed the Alien and Sedition Acts. Anti-immigrant sentiment ebbs and flows. Right now, it's flowing. The interesting question is, to what extent is it genuinely flowing beyond the fevered precincts of the president and his base? And that's going to be the fascinating question, as, as you and Ron were just saying, when we see if there is a resolution in this particular moment. Will there be Republican politicians who will realize that, in fact, the Fox News world in which so much of the right wing lives is not, in fact, where the country is in 2018? God, these fucking people. Just some sanity, and then we'll take a music break, because this is like an hour and a half already. Yeah, we're not doing the op-ed today. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it... I swear I'll do it next one. I'm going to keep putting it up there. Op-ed, don't do it. Thomas Sowell, the endless repeated argument that most Americans are the descendants of immigrants ignores the fact that most Americans are not the descendants of illegal immigrants. Dead on. Lou Dobbs, Pelosi and Schumer made the biggest mistake of their political lives. Americans will reject their cynical refusal to support Trump as he asked them to join with him in doing their duty to protect our citizens. Dana Loesch, some have suggested the barrier is immoral. Then why do some wealthy politicians build barriers and fences around their homes? They do it not because they hate the people on the outside, but because they love the people on the inside. That came out of Trump's mouth. And he's right. That's why I own a gun. That's why I have locks. That's why I have a security system. I don't hate anybody. I'm not thinking a bunch of insert protected Democrat group is coming to attack me. I love my wife. People get desperate. Shit happens. Outgoing California Governor Jerry Brown, this is where we start saying, what is wrong with the Democrats? Claims sanctuary state policy had nothing to do with killing the cop. Gavin Newsom pledges sanctuary to all people who seek it and promises the state will write America's future in his inauguration speech, then says we're going to give them free health care. All the illegals. Suspected terrorists have infiltrated migrant caravan house report coming from CIA, which I thought we're supposed to trust again. Mexican sex trafficking organization uses southern border to smuggle victims. Myth and fact known and suspected terrorists, special interest aliens, large article. The facts are clear. There are thousands of individuals on the terrorist watch list that traveled through our hemisphere last year alone, and we worked very hard to keep these individuals from traveling on illicit pathways to our country. We work with foreign partners to block many of these individuals from coming to the United States. The threat is real. The number of terrorist watch list individuals encountered at our southern border has increased over the last two years. The exact number is sensitive, and details about these cases are very sensitive, because we're not like Hillary, and we don't put this, un, you know, fucking classified shit out in the street overall we stop on average 10 individuals on the terrorist watch list per day from traveling or entering the united states 10 per day this breaks down the uh, addition last year the southern border dhs encountered more than 3,000 special interest aliens individuals with suspicious travel patterns who may pose a national security risk 
Just go to DHS, man. There is a huge amount of motherfuckers trying to get in our country. Slate. Trump's immigration speech was too effective for comfort. Somebody's reply. When you lose the debate on the merits and the optics, there's not much left to complain about. Oh, wait. Here we do it. And as we go out to our break... Because I don't need to sit here and read every statistics. Those that probably listen to the show know. This isn't a made up shit. This isn't like Obama. You can keep your doctor lie. He's not pulling these stats out of his ass. We have a problem at the border. If we didn't, Obama wouldn't have done the DREAM Act, you jackasses. We have a problem. But Mark Pantano, today millions of college students will go to class, listen to their professor, tell them that everything President Trump said last night was a lie. And people wonder why our country is in deep shit. Right on cue, the college fix gave statements from his speech to dumbass millennials who said that's horrible, but the problem is those statements came from Democrats. To a music break. And the two idiotos. Ocasio and Tlaib. I'm Captain Phillips with the Campus Reform. Today we're at American University in Washington, D.C. talking to students about President Trump's proposed border wall. And we're going to be reading them a few quotes from President Trump in defense of his wall. But the thing is, they're not actually President Trump quotes. They're actually quotes from Democrat leaders defending stricter border security. What will students say when they find out? Let's go have a look. There's a government shutdown going on right now. President Trump saying he wants funding for his border wall. The Democrats saying we're not going to give as much funding as you want. What's your thought on his push for this wall? Um, I'm not a fan. Everyone has a shared reaction to this. It's absolutely horrendous. I really don't see a need for it. I don't think there should be a wall. The wall is a really unrealistic solution. I mean, there have been, like, many videos that have shown people easily crossing the wall that is supposed to, like, keep people out or whatever. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. Isn't there pretty much already, uh, fencing? I'm going to read a few quotes here from President Trump talking about the need for the southern border wall. First quote, we should spend money to build a barrier to prevent illegal immigrants from coming in. Another quote, we simply cannot allow people to pour into the U.S. undetected, undocumented, and unchecked. Quote, illegal immigration is wrong, plain and simple. Until the American people are convinced we will stop future flows of illegal immigration, we'll make no progress. When you hear quotes like that, what's your reaction to them? It's divisive. Um, I think America is a land of opportunity, a place for inclusion. I just really think it's kind of hateful speech in general it's just a negative message like all he when he talks about like illegal immigrants it's just one rude like to talk about people like that kind of underlies a lot of things about like discrimination and people and their prejudice prejudices and things like that so i feel like that stuff is touchy to talk about there are racial biases kind of sort of deep embedded in there in a word i'd say it's more jingoist well i think his demeanor it's Overall, it's just unacceptable. I think just the way that he's referring to people across the wall is very dehumanizing. So rhetoric like that is not helpful? No, not at all. What if I told you these were from Chuck Schumer, Barack Obama, and Hillary Clinton? How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Really? Really? Really. Uh, Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, um... 
Yeah, Democrats and Republicans have said things about okay. border control. <laughs> that's interesting. I didn't think that. Uh, that's that's interesting. That would surprise me. <laughs> it's true. Well then, uh, do you can you tell me uh, which ones they were respectively? But that's a that's a very good surprise, by the way. Um, if this were a Trump quote, I believe it would be a lot more. Um, Maybe a lot less calculated. They, I don't know. They just they wouldn't say like say that. I feel well, like they did. I, it's like their demeanor is like the way they come off is like I don't even know what to say. I'm not surprised. Why is that? Well, because I mean, I mean, I guess I'm a little older than most of the college. I'm 20. I'm a graduate student. I'm 26, and so I remember you know Clinton's administration and what they did with immigration and what the Democrats' stance was then. Got it. So I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. 
She hurled an expletive at the president. We're going to go in there. We're going to impeach the Now Representative Rashida Tlaib is speaking out exclusively to Local 4 and doubling down. I think, you know, President Trump has met his match. Good to have you with us today for Local 4 News at 5. The video of the brand new representative quickly went viral and it led to a response this afternoon from the president. Here's what he had to say about it during a news conference a short time ago. Well, I thought her comments were disgraceful. Uh, This is a person that I don't know. I assume she's new. Uh, I think she dishonored herself, and I think she dishonored her family. Mar McDonald traveled to Washington, D.C., and just spoke one-on-one with Representative Tlaib. And Mara, sounds like she is not backing down. Kimberly, the congresswoman says she has nothing to apologize for, as a matter of fact. And I said to her, you know, the president made these comments about you this afternoon. He said he thinks your comment about him was disgraceful. Here was her response. Yeah, he needs to put a mirror up. That was Congresswoman Tlaib's reaction to the news the president called her comments about him disgraceful. He addressed her, let's impeach the expletive comment from last night. I stand by impeaching the president of the United States. I ran on that. Yesterday was a heady day for Tlaib, sworn in as the first American Palestinian woman in Congress. That in itself made national news, but it's her comments late last night... We're going to go in there, we're going to impeach the That has everybody talking today. The congresswoman isn't apologizing. Could you have chosen your words better? You know, look, I, it's probably exactly how my grandmother, if she was alive, would say it. Uh, obviously, you know, I am a member of Congress and things that I say is elevated on the national level, and I understand that uh, very clearly. I am very passionate, and I grew up in an incredibly beautiful, you know, urban community of the city of Detroit, born and raised. Uh, we say, you know, colorful things in interesting ways, but I tell you, uh, the President of the United States is my focus. The residents back home are my focus. Back here live, Congresswoman Tlaib just might be the most talked about person in the Capitol today. There are many who think she didn't do her own caucus. A whole lot of good by those comments. We're going to deal with that coming up live tonight at 6. Devin Kimberly, we're live at the Capitol. I'm Mara McDonald, Local 4. Certainly has a lot of people talking, and we'll look forward to your report coming up tonight at 6. Mara, thanks. Look, it's been nearly a week since you made those remarks. Are you surprised it is still being talked about so much? Very much so. I can tell you, you know, I'm very unapologetically me, and I know people back home that I've represented for six years in the state legislature in Michigan uh, are kind of used to my realness, used to this passion and uh, that I have. And I, I know for many people, uh, it, did, it did get the best of me at that moment. And for many people, it might have been a, very much a distraction. So when, you know, when other Democrats have come out, you know, they, they've obviously, you know, they, they, they've criticized you for this, right? It's not just been Republicans and it certainly just hasn't been men. You know that, right? Um, you know, I guess what I'm trying to understand, and I know it's got to be hard, right? Because you're saying Look, you were caught I, up in the moment. But, but do, you, do you feel like the right word to say is, I'm sorry, I wish I hadn't said it. I, I don't like the guy, but I, I wish I hadn't. I, I, I'm sorry. Or, or is, it, is it fair to say you don't really feel comfortable going that far? No, I, I mean, what, I'm, what I want to do is not allow women like myself that have every right to be angry and upset and mad and to curse, uh, that somehow they're not allowed to do it. And, and- so that's to leave doubling down on my grandma be proud of me. And Burnett, just giving her a pass. You're in the moment. Intercept. 
The U.S. Senate first bill admits a shutdown as a bipartisan defense of the Israeli government from boycotts. Bernie, it's absurd that the first bill during the shutdown is legislation which punishes Americans who exercise their constitutional rights to engage in political activity. Democrats must block it. Rubio, that's a lie. My bill doesn't punish any political activity. It protects the rights of local and state governments that decide to no longer do business with those who boycott Israel. So boycotting Israel is a constitutional right, but boycotting those who participate in BDS isn't. So Tlaib, they forgot what country they represent. This is the U.S. where boycotting is a right and a part of a historic fight for freedom and equality. Maybe a refresher by our U.S. Constitution is in order, then get back to opening up our government. Marco Rubio. This dual loyalty canard is typical anti-Semitic line. BDS isn't about freedom and equality. It's about destroying Israel. And if boycotting Israel is constitutionally protected, then boycotting companies that boycott Israel is also. Whole articles, that is an anti-Semitic slur. Dual loyalties. She got away with it. She got away with it. Nobody fucking cares. The, the media is brought into it. Ashley Goldberg. You have some very interesting priorities for someone to accuse other people of representing a foreign government. Talib shared that her family members still live in the West Bank, where her roots are still very strong. We're absolutely proud of her win, particularly her grandmother. I'm going to be a voice for them. Walls and fences that separate Palestine and Israel, two people who have so much more in common. I look forward to being able to humanize so many of them that have felt less than for so long, she adds. Rashid Tlaib, first Palestinian-American member of Congress, will lead a delegation to the West Bank. Then from her stuff, sneak peek, this is what I'm wearing when I'm sworn in. It's a Palestinian garment. Someone has already made a slight alteration in the map that hangs in Tlaib's new congressional office, and it's the picture now where the sticker is over Israel. She's an Islamist. She's just an Islamist. Congresswoman Rashid Tlaib, funded by George Soros, did not disclose the name of the source of funds for a fellowship that was paid by liberal billionaire George Soros, as required by House Ethics Committee, and also disclosed a lesser amount than she received, according to review of tax and financial discourse closure form. The free beacon obtained the most recent copies of tax forms from a number of Soros organizations, including the Open Society Institute, the legal name for Open Society Foundation, the entity in which Soros pushes millions in funding to a number of liberal causes. An expenditure of $85,307 to Rashid Tlaib in Detroit, Michigan, from 2017 is shown on page 97 of the 321-page report. Now, anybody who's listened to the show knows that Soros... is anti-Semitic. Soros goes into many countries and destroys them. There's all sorts of... 68,000 income mark for leadership fellowship. It's 17,000 less than she actually got. Tlaib was paid 139873 by Soros Group in 2016. Between 2016 and 17, Tlaib received a total of $225,180 from Soros. Now, I'm not into, you know, let's blame 
or let's point fingers who gets money where. But the point is the media goes, Koch brother, Koch brother, Koch brother, Koch brother. And then whenever source is attacked, attacked, not attacked, it's, oh, the Republicans are pouncing on Soros. And they've yet to do a deep dive. They've done 10,000 on Koch brothers when Harry Reid made that the center of a fucking election. Then we find Lucy Parson Project. Last night, Black and Brown Social Club, the Lucy Parsons Project, quit queers undermining Israel terrorism. An ally group showed up to fight the Zionist Gentrification Cafe. Many, while white supremacist Zionists, ate at a meal in support of Manny's. These thugs apparently descend upon this restaurant on a weekly basis to protest its role in Zionist gentrification of the Mission District from Mission Local. Boycott Manny's and its woke washing of the mission blared an email sent December 5th to media outlets by the Lucy Parsons Project, a self-described radical black queer district area group fighting anti-blackness in the Bay Area. Manny's as a gentrifying wine bar, cafe, and fake social justice space in the Mission District will only accelerate the raising of rents and the displacement of blacks, Latinx, disabled, and trans queer people in the Mission. The letter continued. Additionally, the proprietor of Manny's, Emmanuel Ukibula, whatever the fuck, has unequivocally espoused racist Zionist pro-Israel ideals that will not be tolerated except in the community. We will not tolerate gentrifiers and Zionists attempting to invade and destroy our community through woke washing. And surely enough, a handful of protesters began showing up weekly, shouting through bullhorns and waving placards. Someone painted a Star of David on Manny's exterior along with fuck Zionism. A window was broken. As Mission Local notes, other non-Jewish business owners aren't facing the same harassment and vandalism, almost as if anti-Zionism is just a front for anti-Semitism. Lashal Markley, if you're targeting a Jewish-owned business in the U.S. with routine protests and vandalism, including spraying a Star of David on its wall, you're not a Zionist. You're an anti-Jew. The Jewish Voice. Today, the Wall Street Journal exposed the fact that Jewish journalist Laura Loomer was banned from Twitter because of Care National, a designated Islamist terrorist organization, secretly lobbied with Twitter to ban her for journalism that exposed jihadi and sharia. From the Wall Street Journal, the world's biggest social media companies under fire for failing to police content on their sites have invited an array of outside groups to help them figure out who should be banned and what's considered unacceptable. The solution is greater is creating a new set of problems, public fights, complaints, and legal battles. Conservative Jewish activist Laura Loomer says she didn't know until recently that outside groups and individuals have privately lobbied Twitter to get her banned. In an email, Loomer said Twitter had violated its hateful conduct policy for a tweet calling Iman Omar, the Muslim congresswoman from Minnesota, anti-Jewish and supportive of Sharia law. In an interview, Luer said she was referring to a 2012 tweet from Mrs. Omar in which the congresswoman wrote, May Allah awaken the people and help them see the evil of Israel. Among the groups that have complained to Twitter, Council on American Islamic Relations, an advocacy organization, care. The council doesn't even step into advocate against other users, such as executive director Zira Bulabu, who did so in the case of Mrs. Loomer based on her previous comments. In 2017, Loomer tweeted about a terror attack in New York City. Leave it to Muslims to ruin everything. People can't even enjoy Halloween without these fucking savages fucking everything up. 
Then this was discovered this week. She tweeted this out and deleted it immediately, but not quick enough. She's clearly anti-American and should not be in office. After all the shit she did, Americans have spent decades raping and pillaging my people. What goes around comes around. Hashtag Friday feeling. That was from January 4th, 2018. Rashid Tlaib is exactly what we said she was. An Islamist. The media ignores it because they have Islamist sympathies. They think the people chopping off head are just misunderstood. And then her twin in the Idiotos from the Three Amigos movie that I would never watch, Ocasio comes on and says this. I cannot tell you the amount of dysfunction that this president is advancing. We now have over 100 new members of this freshman class. I cannot even get laptops to my caseworkers on the ground in the Bronx and Queens so they can process the needs of our uh, of our constituents. We can't get mortgage applicants. You know, we cannot get their their casework started because we can't even get laptops in the hands of our district offices because the president has decided to hold the, the paychecks of every day Americans hostage so that he can fulfill a campaign uh, I don't even I don't even want to call it a promise a campaign fantasy that the vast majority of Americans disapprove of and not only that but in in the actual address there was falsehood after falsehood and we have to make sure that we get our facts straight everyday immigrants commit crimes at a far lower rate than native born Americans and not only that but the women and children on that board that are trying to seek refuge and seek opportunity in the United States of America with nothing but the shirt on their backs are acting more American than any person who seeks to keep them out ever will be. Are you- and no one should feel unsafe in the United States of America. And that includes our, our amazing and beautiful and productive immigrant community. And moreover, the one thing that the president has not talked about is the fact that he has systematically engaged in the violation of international human rights borders on uh, human rights on our border. He has separated children from their families. He talked about what happened the day after Christmas on the day of Christmas. A child died in ICE custody. The president should not be asking for more money to an agency that has systematically violated human rights. The president should be really defending why we are funding such an agency at all. Because right now, what we are seeing is death. Right now, what we are seeing is the violation of human rights. These children and these families are being held in what are, what are called yeleras, which are basically freezing boxes that no person should be maintained in for any amount of time, let alone the amount of time that they are being kept on. And moreover, even if you are anti-immigrant in this country, the majority of immigrant overstays, the majority of the reason that people are undocumented is visa overstay. It's not because people are crossing a border illegally. Uh, it is It is because of visa overstay, which, mind you, he's talking about legal immigration. He's trying to restrict every form of legal immigration there is in the United States. Mm. He's fighting against family reunification. He's fighting against the diversity visa lottery. He's fighting against almost every way that people can actually legally enter this country, forcing them to become undocumented. And then he's trying to attack their undocumented status. This 
this is systematic, it is wrong, and it is anti-American. And again, those women and children trying to come here with nothing but the shirts on their back to create an opportunity and to pr- provide for this nation are acting more in an American tradition than this president is right now. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, thank you so much for being with us tonight. I know this is uh, your first time being here on this show, and I know that you have been one of the highest profile members of this new, uh, this new Congress, and you've got a lot of pressures on your time. Thanks for making time to be here, and I hope you'll come of back. Course. They're more American, huh? You want to stick with that? Other things she's been lying about, Chris Loesch. How is this guy's three weeks without a paycheck? The first withheld pay will be Friday. The woman is a liar. Her story's a lie. She's a liar. I just had a furrowed worker come visit me in my office. I work for HUD. My family's hurting. Now we haven't had a paycheck for three weeks. It's a lie. David Ruiz. Judging by AOC's Twitter feed, a nerve has been struck. Facts are facts. America, we should care about getting things right, yet standards of who gets fact-checked and how, plus why, are unclear. This is where false equivalency and bias creeps in to allow climate deniers to put on par with scientists. She went after Chris Saliza for daring to criticize her now famous. I think that there's a lot of people more concerned about being precisely, factually, and semantically, semantically correct than being morally right. RB, allowing climate deniers to be put on par with scientists. What if climate deniers are scientists? Fake news, Washington Post, catching it today from the Queen. For example, it looks like PolitiFact has fact-checked Sarah Huckabee Sanders and myself the same amount of time, six. She's been serving for two years. I've served for four days. Why is she fact-checked so little? Is it she adhering to some standard we don't know about? Or why did Washington Post give my confusion tweet on military accounts offset the same Pinocchios as Trump's flat denial of how many people died in Puerto Rico? These are legitimate questions not intended to attack. Who makes these decisions? How is it they're a Rubik? Internet cool kid. Your confusing tweet claims the amount of missing Pentagon funds was more than every DOD budget in history combined. It was a monumental mistake that got 26K retweets, and then when everyone pointed it out, you kept the tweet up. The fact that you're calling it merely confusing indicates you're still standing by it. Give those facts. Why shouldn't you be treated the same as Sanders? Here's another one. Another question for PolitiFact. Some official statement, executable Andrew Cuomo, gets rated true frequently. I say true things all the time. I hope most do. When does PolitiFact choose to rate true statements? Is there a guide? I'd be happy to repost it if there is. This is why, where I see those numbers of checks. RB. I'm laughing so fucking hard at this because she's losing her fucking mind over a handful of fact checks that didn't go her way. Since its inception, PolitiFact has been grotesquely biased against non-Democrats. They can't make AOC's lies mostly true, so she's losing her mind. Here's another factoid. The top 20% of households pay 88% of federal income tax. The top 1% of households pay 39.4% of federal income tax and 26.2% of federal total federal tax. The top 20% pay 88.1% of federal income taxes and 69.5% of total federal taxes. The top 1% of households pay an average income rate 
of 24%, while the middle quintile pays an average of 3 The top 1% of households pay an average of total tax rate of 33.3%, while the middle quintile pays an average of 14 The top 20% of households pay an average total tax rate of 267 while the middle pays 14 The data? GAO. Non-partisan. This girl is getting so stupid that Whoopi is calling her out. Sit still for a minute and learn the job. (laughs) And, you know, and just, you know, because there are people in that party who have been working their tails off. For and they know country. they know a lot, and they know a They've lot, and around. you could and you could learn some stuff from them. <laughs> and I just feel like you know, you don't have to be uh, born into it. You don't have to know it when you step out. But before you start pooping on people and what they've done, you got to do something too. Well, she hasn't done That's that. Well said. My God, I mean, it is amazing phase we're in. It doesn't matter if you're being truthful. You can lie. And it was all started somewhere on that that little website I'm talking about. And Chris Cuomo was the first. Morally justified. I can beat the fuck out of you because you're a wrong thinker. And now I can just make shit up because I'm a woman, I'm a Latinx, I'm a millennial, and I'm on the same side. So we just lie and make it up. But even Whoopi said, sit the fuck down and learn. To a little roundup, Democrats ran fake Facebook page to hurt Alabama candidate Roy Moore. The New York Times released a story on January 7th that was ignored by everybody. Detail on the Facebook page created by progressive Democrats. The Facebook and Twitter pages were made during the Alabama Senate special election of 17 with the express purpose of damaging candidate Roy Moore's reputation. The pages Dry Alabama and Southern Caller were created by look-alike conservative pages to support him more, but the content post was meant to hurt him. Dry Alabama was a page that looked like it was run by Baptist teetotalers who wanted Roy Moore to pass a bill that would make Alabama a dry state. The goal was to associate the candidate with a prohibition bill in order to make Republicans want to vote against him. The Southern Caller posted similar things were allegedly from a conservative standpoint. Those that worked on the project were funded $100,000 to create these pages. This paired with a project funded by Microsoft board member and LinkedIn co-founder Reed Hoffman raised the amount spent by liberals to fake ads for Alabama election to $200,000. The Russian IRA only spent $100,000. While the Facebook pages for both Dry Alabama and Southern Caller have been shut down, their Twitter account's still active. The tweets on Dry Alabama account include posting to saying, Today is the anniversary of Prohibition when good Christian men and women demand that our political enact law, politicians enact laws to create a moral society. One of the people involved, social media specialist Beth Becker, used to be a blogger for the Daily Coast, according to LinkedIn. She told the Times that she didn't think that any group, anything this group did was cr- that crossed any lines. However, in her Twitter profile, she slams Trump and fake news multiple times. The Times reported there was at least two more social media projects created to help Doug Jones win the election. Their tactics were similar. To back up the Microsoft board member, he also funded election manipulation against Cruz and Blackburn. 
Liberal abuse of Facebook to manipulate elections didn't stop at 17. A new Washington Post report indicated the same strategy was widespread in 18 and earned as many as 16 million views. Reed Hoffman, who did the Facebook page there, has revealed that the group has created a Project News for Democracy and created 14 fake Facebook pages during the 18 midterm election. These pages ran ads attacking Blackburn and endorsing O'Rourke. One page, the Holy Tribune, was targeted towards conservative evangelicals. However, it ran ads pushing O'Rourke in the race against Cruz. Facebook is investigating whether the news for democracy violated its terms of service. Now, I want to pause on that. Remember, after the Big 16, where Russia made people vote for Trump, and Trump financed it, bullshit that hasn't been true, they just randomly deleted conservative accounts. They randomly sent us all emails saying that we liked something on a fake account. But now, with the New York Times and Washington Post saying Democrats ran fake accounts, they have to figure out if it violated their term of service. Oh, really? Hoffman backed it with $10 million. Such deceptive election practice violate Microsoft's employee ethics policies on communicating honestly in public. When asked about Reed Hoffman's involvement in News for Democracy previously, a Microsoft spokesman declined it. Hoffman is also a partner with Greylock and a member of Airbnb's board, which is why they don't let Christians reserve it and all that other shit. Both companies declined to comment on this decision to fund a manipulative left-wing project that tried to influence multiple races. News for Democracy, backed by the unknown Motive AI, was called one of the largest political advertisers on Facebook on October 18. In the course of September, the company had purchased over 16 million impressions on Facebook. The Atlantic reports that these 14 pages reached 45 million ad impressions through 2,600 ads. The ads were mostly about health care. Republicans want to take away the project for people with pre-existing medical condition, and it's tied to the one we covered before the election. Sunny Bunch. So just to recap, a progressive billionaire teamed up with a bomb official and used Russian disinformation tactics to swing an American election. It's on WAPO. And all the while, it ran once, it's gone, CNN ignored it, Chuck Todd ignored it, ABC ignored it, everybody ignored it. So now when we go into 2020, what we have to do is notify people, hey, there's going to be fake Democrat websites. Ignore them. They're now the Russians. Yeah. So RGB, of course, Mr. First Vote, Roger Simon, Politico, a reporter, If it were possible, would you subtract one day off your life and add it to Ruth Bader Ginsburg for an extra day of good health? If just 10,000 people did that, it would add 27 productive years to her life. Really? Okay. That's, That's a reporter. And then we have a Sean King stuff. I'm going to break it down real quick. Because it's a soundbite from the Young Turks. And after all his lies, after him actually 
racial profiling, exposing people, etc., etc. CNN ran, the arrest of a man in connection with the killing of seven-year-old Jasmine Barnes came from a tip to a writer and social activist, Sean King. A great report. Glowing. But it also light, lightens or enlightens us back to the last time he did this with a Texas state trooper, a lying African-American woman, and ruined his life. Do we remember that? Ryan Savandra. King spread the claim that his woman was raped and held hostage by Texas Highway Patrol Trooper. Texas Department of Public Safety just released a two-hour video from the DWI reversed. It appears that none of it was true. And he brought that back to life because there you go. There you are. This guy can do it because he's on the right team. He's lied about his race. He's plagiarized. But to CNN, it's just like that guy overseas. Just like that guy overseas. The fake reporter. It's got to be, as long as it's morally right. Facts don't mean shit. So the Young Turks on this story, they decided to go to air and just say what everybody on the left wanted to say. And they've yet to remove it. It's what I referred to earlier. Um, of all people, Chelsea Manning taught me this uh, phrase recently. Stochastic terrorism. Uh, it's when um, people are encouraged by leaders to do violent acts. The leader doesn't say kill this specific person. Doesn't say you should target Jasmine Barnes. It just encourages you to hate a certain group of people. And then random unbalanced people in country pop up and do the violence on their behalf and that's called stochastic terrorism and that's what this one looks like mm-hmm. uh, but they're going to investigate i hope to god they find the guy oh they found him all right junk and like 50 percent of the murderers in this country he's a black male which is strange when you realize that black men make up only six and a half percent of the united states population but commit 50 percent of the total murders Trump, yeah, Trump made that person kill it. Really? We're going to stick to that. Okay. No recourse. Nothing wrong with that. You can just lie. Make a lie on the left. You can just do whatever you want. So it's going to hate tweets uh, without a bump. I got to play this. This is Scarborough. Trump might not be able to read. And Bruni from the New York Times explaining why the New York Times is getting busted by its old editor there's no way but for us to be negative with trump it's our duty and he even admitted nick confessori that when the audience started to get bored or distracted when they seemed to wander off he would bring back the wall and he would talk about the wall because he said it was the best applause line and what about his own people admitting to the new york times that actually this was just a memory trick for him in 2014 they came up with the idea of a wall because they knew Donald Trump didn't like to read or perhaps he doesn't know how to read, it's hard to say, but everybody around him says he never reads. So they came up with this trick that just say build that wall and that would remind him to talk about illegal immigration. Mm. 
But this idea that news coverage of Trump is, is negative, is too negative, what, where, where does the truth lie? I, I, I disagree wholeheartedly with that. He's a singular president. He was a singular candidate. No one has lied like him, I mean, at, at that altitude. No one has had the sort of ethical problems that he does. No one has had the areas of ignorance. If you, to call that out accurately, is to end up with a body of coverage that is unusually negative, but it is absolutely appropriate to the man and the situation at hand. So negative, but accurate. Yeah, anti-Trump connotes driven by some sort of animus regardless of the facts. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've been anti-Trump. I think we have been negative, and I think that's the only honest way to cover this president. You know, literally Steve, so, I have he's married. Steve, I have asked you in the past. Let me tell you this. Come no, wait, on. let me say this. Go ahead, go ahead. I have asked you in the past, and I will ask you again today, to stop referring to me as left. Let me remind you that I was a Republican when Donald Trump was a Democrat. I was a Republican when Donald Trump you're was an very, independent. You're a very I was a Republican, Republican and supporting Republicans when Donald Trump had if, Hillary look, and Bill Clinton at his wedding and was giving like, Nancy Pelosi money. So the fact that people like you have enabled Donald Trump to take this party hostage and change and give up and compromise really? convictions and principles, Republican ones, that I grew up with, does not make me left. I fled left. To the rest of the hate tweets, Rob Reiner, stay in the obvious. Trump's presidency has literally hit a wall and he continues to bang his head against it. We are awash in metaphors. We will never lose sight of the truth. Donald Trump is a cancer on the soul of America. He will be removed so democracy can live again. One reply is all I'm going to read. Remove the elected president so democracy can live again. Yeah, okay. Then Jennifer Rubin. The reason she'll never work outside right-wing la-la land is because she's a bald-faced liar. No one wants her as a face of their company or organization. She continues to bash Sarah Sanders and Christy O'Kathian. Pot me kettle? Seriously. Meet the kettle and look in the mirror. Mike Wicket, Rivers is pissed. Tony Romo, never heard an, an analyst say that during a game before. People talking about their 60-year-old kids because Tony Romo said pissed. Really? Brian Seltzer, William Arkin, fresh off his decision to leave NBC, told me on today's show, we need to have Trump-free days. Everybody says to Brian Seltzer, then you'd have no network. No such thing as a Trump-free day for Brian. That is what TDS is. <laughs> Liz Cheney back at that fucking piece of shit Batman dude. Satan probably inspired him to do this too. Christian Bale arrested for assault on his mother and sister. <clears throat> yeah, he's not a good dude. New York Times, Weissman, still blind to anti-Semitism on the left, blames Trump and bully Israel. Because all this stuff's coming up, the New York Times and WAPO are doing all these BDS stories and how horrible Israel is and Trump to try to cover for their fucking anti-Semitic base. It's kind of hard to call Trump a Nazi when you got people in San Francisco acting like Nazis, breaking windows. Crystal Nike sound like anything to anybody? Really? Uh, 25 worst movies of 2018 that Hollywood hopes we'll forget. I'm just going to read them because I don't even know them. Action Point. Oh, I know that one. Never mind. I watched it. That was bad, yeah. Annihilation, watch that one, that sucked. A Wrinkle in Time, Bad Samaritan, Bad Times of the Ale Royal, Death Wish. I like Death Wish. The other three I didn't watch. Darkest Mind, Early Man, Gotti, 
Nobody watched that. Happy Time Murders, Holmes and Watson, Hotel Artemis, Artemis, Hunter Killer. I never saw that, but I'm going to watch it when it comes out on DVD because, you know, I got a thing for that guy. He's just a good actor. Hurricane Heist, Mortal Engines, The Nutcracker, and Peppermint. The Predator, Red Sparrow, Robin Hood, Show Dog, Skyscraper. I saw that. It was good. You shut your dirty mouth. Anything the fucking rock does is good. Solo, didn't watch it. Tomb Radio, Raider, and Welcome to Marwin, which I will watch. I think that's a good movie. Well, it looks like one. To our tweet of the day, New York Post, female UFC fighter beats the hell out of a mugger with a cardboard gun. It's not a parody. It's fucking amazing. She was in London. This guy tried to rob her. She beat the fucking snot out of this guy. Loved it. And now we have an AOC fake account. Somebody made it. I was waiting for it. The problem is a lot of this stuff's hard to tell if it's really her or not because she says so much bullshit and makes stuff up. But here are some of the tweets, which kind of are part of our tweet of the day. AOC Press is what it's called. Press release. Who says social, socialism isn't good? AOC is making 174k per year and she doesn't have to work. Also, take note. If you want to enjoy this account, go look right now before her rabid supporters and followers get the account taken down. Uh, here's another one. Feelings don't care about your facts. <laughs> That's so good. It's just a reverse of what liberals say. Press release. AOC clarifies her tweet claiming her furlough worker has three weeks without a paycheck. Like I explained on 60 Minutes. My facts are wrong, but I'm morally right. Press release. Okay, that's the socialism one. Press release. Our staff has reopened investigation to CBS after AOC only appeared for 20 minutes, despite CBS claiming it's 60 minutes. <laughs> Press release. AOC proudly announces her first piece of legislation, the Affordable Care Act. <laughs> oh, this guy's good. Uh, AOC signs an executive order that Congress should not be in session until the government reopens. AOC clarifies clarifies her 70% tax on the rich. This tax will not include members of Congress like our friendly neighbors, Spicier. We're not sure who's behind this account, but who's ah to whoever it is. That's the story, and I'm sticking to it. But my real tweet of the day is this soundbite where an actual conservative for 2.3 seconds got on CNN and got to bark back. It's very rare. So enjoy it as the tweet of the day. And after the A's, it's a music break and news, social media nuggets. So, Mark, it was funny last night, the president, you know, the president's broken his promise that Mexico would pay for the wall. Okay, so that's over. Uh, people, he doesn't really talk about that anymore. Last night, he said the wall will pay for itself, which I thought was a funny pivot away. And so, again, today, with those Senate Republicans who are getting uncomfortable with the government being shut down, Will they move off of the wall? Will they start to finally talk about all of this bigger plan, proposal? Well, look, I certainly hope they do, Allison. Um, Yesterday when you were on the show, we talked about the fact that that the administration has asked for more judges and has asked for more ICE agents and has asked for additional resources that haven't been provided. And that is that is the broader message I think he made. And, you know, uh, in all candor, last night when I was watching the Post speech coverage from CNN, they were saying these are all things that Democrats support. And that's patently false. 
It's patently false. I was in the room when we asked for more judges and Democrats said no. I was in the room when we asked for more ICE agents. This was before Democrats in the midterm decided that they wanted to abolish ICE and they said no. I was in the room when we asked for more detention beds and Democrats said no. So yes, they supported him before Trump was president, but they've opposed every element of that. And that is the broader mm. border security message the president should be giving. And I was glad he did it last night. I do think that at this point, the two sides are pretty well entrenched. And so I'm not sure it's going to change any votes in the Senate right now.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. military corner that was a f-16 a israeli one losing its canopy while flying that has got to be one of the most horrific things i've ever heard um kind of blown away that got online but it did court rules in favor of trump's ban on transgender service members got one of them right so that kind of stops the left stupidity Sorry, I had to drink some coffee. Uh, Three-judge three panel uh, sided with Trump. That's good. Kurdish forces reportedly captured two Americans who were fighting with ISIS. Yeah, isn't that nice? Warren Christopher Clark and Abu, uh, a.k.a. Abu Muhammad al-Amerike and Zayed Abdel al-Hamid, a.k.a. Abu Zaid Amerike were fighting overseas. They'll be going to Leavenworth, and I'm pretty happy about that. 
new British recruiting ad. We really should go with it. And they, they didn't mean it the way it came across, but it says, Snowflakes, your army needs you and your compassion. They're being serious. And uh, it's because the recruiting's down so low over there. I just thought um, maybe we should go with that because that's all we have is snowflakes. Uh, disabled veterans can now fly Space A. So you can go file that. And if you don't know about that, uh, I doubt many disabled veterans don't. So you can go online and search it. Senator Juan answers unspent VA suicide prevention funds. There is a shitload. Uh, it spent just $57,000 of $6.2 million budget for paid media advertising. Yeah. They had $17.7 million and they really didn't use it. So that's pretty fucking horrible. And I wear a band that says 22 a day because that's what's happening, folks. Um, we need to fix it. And that's just not Trump. That's every president needs to fix it to our college crazy professor finds students delay adulthood oh are you sure you guys give them play-doh georgia tech professor says she discovered through a course on adulting that students define adulthood differently than previous generations professor found out from students that they would only consider themselves becoming an adult after having children of their own not reading the rest of it because it just makes me want to go back to that snowflake ad. Shit, man. By 19, I was married with kids. By 20, I had two kids. I was a sergeant in the army with a mortgage. Grow up. She's conservative book highlights struggles conservative women face on campus. Stories of trials and triumphs of America's college campuses feature stories from 22 conservative women and 17 campuses. Two of the 22 women happen to also work for Campus Reform, which is where I got the article. Um, it's got Katie Pavlish in it, uh, Rebecca, uh, Wisconsin's Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Cleefish. It's a great thing for women that want to be conservative because it's, as we show each week, horrible. Not only on campus, but in society. It's like you're, uh, it's a scarlet letter to be a conservative. Which is why I think my son and his friends, when I talk to him, are less liberal than you would think. And that comes from the simple fact that that's swimming against the stream. Just being another liberal, you know, doesn't take much effort. Um, waking Up White Conference comes to Maine. The University of Maine at Fort Kent is hosting a speech by Debbie Irving, who wrote Waking Up White and Finding Myself in the Story of Race. Irving's discussion guide suggests that values, valuing facts apparently constitutes dominant white culture, whereas valuing emotion apparently lines up with racial healing work. Yeah, doesn't that sound familiar? Uh, when I finally came to understand the way racism works, Irving said, I spent a lot of time thinking about what might have enlightened me earlier. I decided it wouldn't have been an academic book, an essay, or a book from perspective of a person of color. It would have been another white person describing their own awakening with some humor, poignancy, drama in the mix. What I needed was a memoir so irresistible that I could have read it even if racism weren't on my mind. Yeah. It's the big thing now. Facts don't matter. It's all about feelings. PBS special provides balanced perspective on abortion and black genocide. 
Last month, normally progressive PBS provided a transparent portrayal of the devastating abortion inflicts on the African-American community. Anti-abortion crusader inside the African-American abortion battle surprised conservative media critics by giving voice to the message that most dangerous place on African-American child is in the womb. Reported by Reverend Clenard H. Childress praised CBS for its fair and balanced report. Childress, the assistant national director of LEARN, America's largest African-American evangelical pro-life committee, was featured in PBS program, was quite pleased with being able to get out its message. During the program, Childress is able to hammer home the fact that abortion providers target black women for abortions, and that in New York, for example, more black babies are aborted than are born. Statistics demonstrate that across the country, where the black community only constitutes 13% of the population, but is massive 35% of all abortions. PPFA has taken it far beyond what the Ku Klux Klan thought they would possibly take it, Childress stated on air. How do you calm down over genocide? Of course, the program featured both sides of the argument, including pro-abortion voice arguing that the targeting of black women from abortion was a myth. A featured Planned Parenthood spokesman stated that black pro-life advocates are merely fixated on shaming black women and controlling their bodies. But uh, I'm going to try to see if I can find it. Probably won't air here. But to back this, to this story up, I live in, near Clarksville, Tennessee. I've never said that on air, but I, I guess I just did. I said I lived there, uh, Fort Campbell. And there's no abortion clinics. There's a women's health event clinic that will refer you to the used to be two abortion clinics in Nashville. Now there's one and it's shut down for a while for abortions, probably because the state laws make it shut down because it didn't have any medical facilities. It was just a abortion clinic. Memphis has four. Predominant race in Memphis is African-American. Knoxville has two. There's more African-Americans out there. So Planned Parenthood isn't after African-American babies, and that's not what's paying their bills because they make $1.5 billion. Why are there more abortion clinics in predominantly African-American cities? Do the math on that shit. It's like a car salesman. You're not going to have a car lot in the middle of nowhere. You put it in the city so you can sell cars. PPFA's cars is death to babies. Religious intolerance, Washington Post story, scolds reporters' activism against local mosques. I'm not going to read it. It's just another thing. You can bash Christianity, but you cannot bash any other religion or else they lose their fucking mind. Anything to do with God, Christian type, Catholic, etc., etc. Oh, you can get all over that. 30 transgender regretters come out of the closet. Trans life survivors is a godsend for people struggling with trans regret. Walt Heyer, which we talked about on the show, um, put out a book, and he's got 30 people. Heyer's new book shines light on trans life survivors. Heyer's written several books on transgender regret, transgender regret, but his sixth and newest book, Trans Life Survivors, is not his personal story. It's a compilation of stories by other people, of course. Walt wrote Trans Life Survivors, he says, because he wants others to catch a glimpse of the raw emotion experience of people who are harmed by the grand and dangerous experiment of cross-sex hormones and surgical affirming procedures. The trans rabbit hole is featured, was virtually the only place for a trans, his place, his website, Trans Regret, the only place many of his readers expressed a joyful sense of liberation and knowing they were not alone. 
They've set up roadblocks to the gender community in the form of new laws that virtually ban standard cognitive therapy for people who do diagnose themselves. And as we talked about the show, I won't go deep in this article, is they treat them like shit. They are outed. They're no longer in the group. So people who love them ain't going to happen. Later in the article... Suppress support for those detransitioning. Walt cites numerous studies confirming that most cases of gender euphoria coexist with other mental conditions. Media Matters went into panic mode and ran a smear article when Walt gave a persuasive interview to Carol Costello after the Olympi- Olympian Bruce Jenner 2015 transition. Walt's instinct to tell him that Jenner regrets the decision but is hopefully stuck in the cultish trap of limelight. I believe he's right about that. Free speech is more more than is more important than ever on this subject. The joy outweighs the sorrow. Detransition is simply on a journey home, and it's going to be a good book for people that need this because society tells them you're cool, you're hip, we want you because you'll vote Democrat. Go destroy you and your kids' bodies with reverse homos. I mean, for Christ's sake, you're not supposed to do that. Men who identify as women are being invited. Last week it was falsies, right? For penises. This week, cervical smear tests, even though they don't have a cervix. I I couldn't make this shit up. I mean, I could, but I wouldn't. However, women who identify as male are not being offered crucial routine breast screenings. Omen who identify as male are not being offered vital routine breast screenings and cervical cancer. Women, I'm sorry, I just fucked that all up. I said, oh, I must have edited it wrong. But men identifying as women will be invited for a cervical smear test, even though they don't have a cervix. The advice comes from the 24-page booklet published by Public Health England called Information for Trans People. The PHE booklet explains who we invite for screening. Trans people who register the GP as a birth sex will be invited to screening appropriate to that, but if they register as the gender they identify as, they will not be. If trans men born female register as male, he won't be invited for breast screenings at 50 or cervical screenings. However, a trans woman registers as a female, they will be routinely invited for cervical screenings. Men who identify as female are being offered cervical screenings even though they don't have a cervix. Cervical cancer claims the lives of 900 women. It's fucking horrible. AAA are six times more common in older men than women, da-da-da-da-da, and they're doing this for their mental health. So, what do you do, shove a swab up their ass? I mean, what are you screen? What are you screening? This is just a sick, sick fucking cult, man. It's a religion. I say it every podcast. This is a religion. Cervix screenings. Really? Young mother is barred for local pub for wearing a t-shirt saying, Women, human, female. After a complaint that it discriminated transgender people. Oh, really? Let's read it. You might have thought it was simple innocuous items someone would wear, a simple black t-shirt saying human, female. But a young mother had been barred from her local pub after a complaint that the words discriminated against transgender people. Miss... Worshipable said she told me that the t-shirt I was wearing was upsetting people because it was transphobic and not inclusive, so I was barred. What she meant was that I was somehow offending men who say they are women because my t-shirt did not include them in the definition of woman. There aren't even any transgender staff or patrons in the club. It's a crackers. It's crackers, which means crazy. I guess. Worshipable is a supporter of the feminist group Fair Play for Women, which opposed a governing consultant from Reform the Gender Recognition Act. 
proposed legal change would allow people to self-identify, yada, yada, yada. The 30-year-old was surprised to be approached by a member of the staff with a complaint. Nothing out of the ordinary had happened that evening except when she spoke to another drinker at the pub, a gay man called Mika Johnson. I sat down next to him and asked him how he was. He said, I don't want to talk to you, to be honest. Please leave me alone. So I said, okay, and left. 30 minutes later, a member of the bar staff named Heather came to Miss Worshipful's table to tell her she was no longer welcome. Heather said, I've been upsetting people, and Mika was crying. She told me the problem, the way I could, I the way I talk about radical feminism was a problem. The t-shirt you're wearing is upsetting and not inclusive. I replied that it simply said the dictionary definition of a woman. She mumbled a bit about being transphobic and that I was a transphobic previously. She then said I was barred and that she had been nominated by the other bar staff to come to tell me. I asked if she thought it was troubling that I was being removed from my own local because I was wearing a feminist t-shirt that had upset a gay man, but she just repeated I wasn't being exclusive. On the same day, Mr. Johnson, the pub goer, um, who she offended, took to Twitter to talk about his distress. He wrote, when you're trying to relax in your fave pub and there's this turf, trans-exclusionary radical feminism, that goes back to year one on the podcast, for those who have been with it, wearing an anti-trans t-shirt. It's disgusting and I'm so upset by it. The owner of Five Clouds Tap and Bottle Brewery, Tom Lewis, confirmed that Worshipful had been ordered to leave because of the complaints. But he said that there had been a ser- series of incidents that brought to it, and that's just a bunch of fucking bullshit. But it goes with it, you know. English definition will now be changed. Female, a feeling you have. <laughs> and nothing to do with the biology. Wesley Yang, when Jordan Peterson's wife told me 18 months ago that elementary school children in Canada were assigned to identify the oppressor and the oppressed in a various situation, it seemed outlandish. She said it would soon happen everywhere. The instructions students read, use either the categories that were discussed in the class or other connected to your identity wheel and answer the question. Your identity wheel. What kind of English class is that, somebody says. Please scrutinize the world outside yourself negatively and then carry that negativity inward. My identity wheel. And then back to abortion. No, Jezebel, abortion in space isn't the final frontier. A man on the moon is being a moon is a thing of the past. The next big feature, one Jezebel writer mocked recently, is envisioning a woman in space getting an abortion. On January 2nd, Poplar's Women Inside Jezebel published a piece, Space Abortion is the Final Frontier. While the post boasted thousands of views, contributed Cleo Chang. He had to be called out for advocating whether it's seriously or jokingly for space abortions. Chang's inspiration came from Atlantic Peace, publishing the same day, Imagine Giving Birth in Space. But staff writer Maureen Corrin, Corrin's story centered on space life origin, a self-described biotechnology company within the Netherlands, endeavors to research and figure out how the fuck you can have kids in space. In response, Chang didn't question or investigate her story, but instead changed his orientation. Chang asked readers to imagine a different kind of space achievement altogether. Now me, a blogger, wants you to imagine not having a baby in space. Amazing. That's because if human must one day learn to survive in some sucky space future where Earth is unthinkable, they will also have to fight to make sure it's just an equal society. Chang was particularly concerned because space life origin has been courting some of Earth's worst class or private space flight companies and wealthy preppers. Chang urged we need to learn how to provide space abortions accessible to every space human. 
Space babies, fine. Space abortions, even better if you ask me. In other words, instead of birth, they want death. According to Cheng's piece, abortion was not only an accomplishment, but also a necessity. Cheng failed to address the counter-arguments, acknowledge the complexity of abortion on both sides of the debate, for truly just an equal society. Hmm. Then again, Cheng may have been trying to be funny with an abortion joke, but there is no joke. I tell you right now, that, what the fuck is wrong with these people? That, this next one just sums it up. Amazon removes Islamophobic product but sells Fuck Me Jesus. Yeah. CNN reported that Amazon took down products today that were reported as offensive. The Council or Care asked Amazon to take down bath mats that were imprinted with the word Prophet Muhammad. However, Amazon sells many anti-Christian products, including one that portrays a woman using the Christian cross as a sex toy, and it says, Fuck Me Jesus. Marduk, supposedly the most blasphemous band in the world, sells paraphernalia from Fuck Me Jesus album, which includes a woman's woven patch and a t-shirt with the image of a naked woman in a lewd position holding the crucifix. The site also sells a t-shirt with the same image on it. Amazon policy prevent users from selling offensive and controversial material. The site outlined point out the product promoting intolerance based on race, religion, and sexual orientation will be removed. While the Islamophobic products were removed, the anti-Christian products remain. If lewd, blasphemous imagery imagery isn't your thing, Amazon offers a simple I hate Jesus pillow. On the same scale, a men's graphic t-shirt is also sold on Amazon with the caption, Who the fuck is Jesus? Mm -hmm. Or perhaps if the Council of American Islamic Relations bathroom decor tinted with the art of your religion offends you, there is a vintage decor home shower curtain which shows the mosaic of the crucifixion scene. 18 different variations are sewn. And then there's also a baptism of the Lord toilet seat cover floor mat and toilet mat. Mm, okay. APA monitor. APA has issued its first ever guideline for practice with men and boys. They draw on more than 40 years of research showing that traditional masculinity is psychologically harmful and that socializing boys to suppress their emotion causes damage. I'm not reading it anymore. It's more of that map shit. They're fucking sick. German cardinal under fire for saying gay priests created Catholic sex abuse scandal. The world lost it, but it was gay priests that molested little boys. It's actually factual. But once again, this whole podcast is facts matter less, feelings matter more. Then this one that blew my mind. Men face more discrimination than women. Global study claims males receive the raw end of the deal with harsher punishment for the same crime, compulsory military service, and more death at work. Men are disadvantaged in 91 countries compared to 43 nations for women. The UK, US, and Australia all discriminate against men more. A study claims Italy, Israel, China are hard environments for women, researchers say. Scientists created the basic index of gender inequality to assess the inequality. Closer to the BIGI score is to zero the greater the level of equality. Women are better off in more countries than men are in a newfound study. Method to assess the forms and blah, blah, blah. It's repeating it. Only 43. That's it. Hmm. That'll never make CNN. 
Then this nugget that scared the shit out of me, because I just watched the movie Armageddon. NASA to crash 13,500 mile per hour spacecraft into asteroid in mission to stop deadly strike on Earth. NASA is planning to smash a spacecraft into asteroid in the next phase of its planetary defense experiment. The U.S. Space Agency is working on a most fiery, fiery and crucial stage of its double asteroid research, redirect test, or DART. The experiment will be the latest in NASA's mission to protect Earth from deadly asteroids. In 2021, it aims to fully test the new defense system by smashing a spaceship into a rock at 13,500 miles per hour. Space experts are worried an asteroid could potentially smash into Earth and end it all. The asteroid that NASA aims to hit is not actually a threat to Earth, but by smashing into it, the dark crew will be able to see if it actually works. The rock they're going to hit is Didymos, 800, approximately 800 meters across and has a secondary orbit body known as a moonlet that is 150 meters in size. Using state-of-the-art technology, spacecraft will smash into the smaller satellite at a distance of 11 million kilometers from Earth. I hope they get this down. Because the whole drilling on space didn't look like it worked very well. I mean, Bruce Willis is dead. That's all I have to say. This one goes for all you people that love Live PD. Man denies ownership of syringes. Wait for it. Found in his ass. It's not what they say, but in his rectum during a jail strip search. A Florida man denied ownership of three syringes removed from his rectum during a 4.30 a.m. strip search at a county jail. Cops arrested Wesley Scott, 40, early Friday on an outstanding warrant changing uh, charged with drug possession. And while being searched in the field, Scott denied having anything on his body. And they say it. I watch, I watch Live PD. They all say the same thing. Pasco County, Florida. If you go there and we catch you, it's another charge, bud. But when Scott sent seen at right, which I don't have the picture, but he's a Florida man, just like Dana Lowe, she has a radio show and she's talking about Florida man. Uh, arrived at the Fennell County Jail, he was subjected to a strip search. He removed three syringes from his rectum and provided them to the jailer. Scott then claimed that he found the syringes and that they weren't his. Explanation did not stop officials from charging him. He's facing another fe- felony, and he's got a five hundred or $5,000 bond. Um, how could they get in your ass then, bro? That's all I have to say. And how do you fit three syringes in your ass? And why would you do that? What if the cap breaks? I literally read that story and clenched my ass. I'm just saying. Then we got the Florida stripper arrested after threatening mass shooting. Florida stripper has been charged with threatening mass shooting. Lakeland police say 31-year-old Brain Basarich posted about her homicidal urges on social media under the, the username Taking Lives. According to arrest affidavit, she said she had a vision of a bar or club with only one entrance and an exit, and that she planned to purchase an AR-15 soonish. Hmm. Must have been some bad tips. So... We don't have a lighter fare, but I'm going to like let the circus music play for a few minutes and we'll close the show. Well, that wraps up another episode of Flower Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends, send emails or suggestions for segments to 
F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Poppodcast, gmail.com. Get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politics webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. FOPpodcast.com. It's a theme. There you see links to every episode on our episode release page, a link to our email, and a link to our Facebook page. Once again, that will go down in March. Our next podcast will be, drumroll, calendar won't work, 1-6-16 January, Year of Our Lord, 2019. Hopefully by then we got some different subjects to do. Do a normal podcast with hypocrisy the whole nine yards, but I kind of thought it was fun to do this format one more time. Just kind of break up the pace. I hope you all have a good rest of the week and a great weekend. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. Give your family your unfettered time. It's a short ride. Got to make every day count, folks. As always, thanks for listening and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.